on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Race Review with Hot Topic Sound Off. And this week we are reviewing the races at Talladega Super Speedway as well as the Springfield Mile at Illinois State Fairgrounds. Now, joining me tonight is our co-host for tonight, Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, hi, Sharon. Thank you. Okay, now we've got a big night tonight. Uh, three races, the Trucks, Xfinity, and Cup Series all racing at Talladega Super Speedway this weekend, as well as the Arkham and Art Series racing at the Springfield Mile at the Illinois State Fairgrounds. We'll start off with the updates from the ARCA East and West during the first half hour tonight, along with that review at the Springfield Mile. Then we'll review the Trucks Xfinity and Cup Series at Talladega, and 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing crew, and tonight that's going to involve just Jay and myself. So definitely looking forward to a full night, and and, uh, Hot Topics will start at, uh, actually it will start at 9.30 tonight. I believe on the promo I said 10 o'clock, but we are starting at 9.30 tonight. Okay, so with that, Sal, uh, let's go ahead and get into the Arkham Menard Series East and West. Uh, they did not race this weekend. Uh, the next race, actually, for the Arkham Menard Series East and West uh, is coming up, though. They will be racing their next race for the Arkham Menard Series East. Their next race is this coming weekend, October the 10th, at Five Flags Speedway for the Pensacola 200. And uh, they'll be racing at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And you'll be able to watch the delayed broadcast of that race on NBC Sports Network. The West is racing October the 23rd, uh, and that's at 9.45 Eastern Time at All-American Speedway in Roseville, California. That will be available for the Gold NBC Gold Track Pass live streaming, uh, and they're racing the Napa Auto Parts 125 presented by CashInTheCan.com. <laughs> well, that's a lot of uh, sponsorship there. Or <laughs> that is. a log sponsorship name. It, it sounds like a big sponsor anyway. Uh, but for the Arkham and Art Series, the race they had this weekend, Sal, uh, at the Springfield Mile here at the Illinois State Fairgrounds, that was the next to the last race for the Arkham and Art Series. And there was a lot on the line because, uh, um, well, first of all, Brett Holmes uh, still leads the series point standings, but he also won his second straight CGS Imaging Four Crown title, uh, which is part of uh, the Arkham Menard series as well. Used to be the Bill France uh, uh, Four Crown, uh, now the CGS Imaging Four Crown title. So uh, Ryan Unzinger won on the dirt at Springfield. Uh, he is an Illinois native from El Paso, Illinois, so that was kind of exciting uh, to see one of our Illinois guys come up with the victory there. His first victory yeah, in the Arkham Menard series. Yeah, I bet it was, especially after, um, you know, the bad news that you guys got about, the, you know, not having the cup race anymore. 
So yeah, you know, it's yes, probably that. huge, you know, to hear him, you know, <laughs> you know, to hear him finally get the get a win. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. I tried, I worked on it all Unthicker. night yesterday, and I couldn't figure it out. Huh? Unzicker. Unzicker, okay. Yeah, Ryan Unzicker. Uh, yeah, so that that was really cool to see, uh, and his uh, owner, uh, Bill Hendren, uh, has been a perennial winner uh, of this particular race, so it was kind of cool to see that continuing to happen as well. Uh, but let's, uh, before we get into that race, I do want to talk about the series point standings in both the East and the West. Uh, I'll go ahead and do the East if you want to key up the West there, Sal. Um, the East. Sherry, well, go ahead and, uh, go ahead and do them both because I'm, I'm driving to work. And, oh, you're and, driving. And I can okay. only pull up. Yeah, and the only thing I can pull up is, is what you uh, is what you sent me. I mean, I, I have the I have the I have the standings for the Arc of an Art series itself, but East and West, I, okay. I still can't figure out how to pull those up. Okay. Okay. Well, I've got it. Uh, okay, for the Archimonards East, Sal, they only have five races in the book, so they have uh, a few races coming up here in the next few weeks. Uh, so we'll be hearing a lot about the Archimonards series. Uh, Sam Mayer continues to lead that series with five races in the book. He's got four wins, five top fives, five top tens, and two pole awards. He's led the most laps, 904 laps. I'm sorry. He's run 904 laps and led 350 of those laps. He has an average starting position of 2.4 and an average finishing position, Sal, of 1.2. That's pretty amazing uh, for this guy. And he's the defending Arkham and Art Series East champion from last season. So uh, just incredible stats for Sam Mayer. Yeah, it is. It, it is incredible, especially like you say, you know, for the few races that he's ran, and um, you know, he's uh, I guess he already got picked up for next season too, which is good. You know, he already has a ride all set up, but um, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's, he's been to sh- he's been to show himself you know, to be a you know pretty versatile driver, you know, amongst the you know the few few series that he's ran in. Yes, uh, he's raced in all three of the series this year. Uh, and he was uh, a contender he's in the uh, Sioux Chief Showdown. So uh, he's, he's had a, just a phenomenal season. Uh, his closest competitor is Ty Gibbs in second place. He's also participated in all five races. He has one win, four top fives, four top tens, one pole, and he's led 344 of 889 laps, has an average starting position of 2.6, his average finishing position is 4.2. He's 26 points behind Sam Mayer. The contest is really between those two drivers. Uh, in third place, though, we from third to fifth, there's a pretty tight battle. 61, 62, and 64 points back. And that's Nick Sanchez from Rev Racing, Mason Diaz, uh, driving... Uh, uh, this year for Venturini and Parker Retzklaff in the uh, driving for his team in the fifth place. The next five drivers are Chase Cabre, Justin S. Carroll, Max McLaughlin, Taylor Gray, and Brett Holmes. Now the drivers, uh, the last 
from 8 to 10, those drivers have not raced the full season. So it's still pretty amazing that they're up there in that top 10 group. Uh, but the real battle here, I think, is for those positions uh, 3, 4, and 5. Those guys are all really, really close within just three points of each other. And then uh, 6th and 7th, those guys are within four points of each other. So even though uh, Sam Mayer's doing really well at the top here, there's still some big battles going on in this series. Oh, yeah, there is. You know what? And, um, you know, plus, you know, um, I don't know how close the rookie of the year battle is either, but, you, you know, you know, you still got the rookie of the year battle, you know, which, you know, which still goes down, you know, as a, you know, as an award at the end of this uh, season, you know, when they have their banquets. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um so we'll have to see how that kind of works out uh, as, as they get more races under their belts here. Uh, but I do want to take a look at the um, uh, Mark and Menard Series West as well, Sal, because uh, this battle is a little bit tighter uh, in the West. You've got Jesse Love in the lead, uh, and he has eight. they have eight races in the book. Uh, Jesse Love has three wins. Eight top fives, eight top tens, three pole awards. He's led 339 out of 889 laps. Average start position is 2.5. His average finish is 2.1. Very, very impressive. That's why he's in the lead. He is 16, just 16 points behind him, though, is Blaine Perkins. Uh, has three wins, six top fives, seven top tens. Two pole awards. He's led 282 of 855 laps. Average starting position of 2.6. Average finish of 4.1. Again, just 16 points behind. So this one's a little bit closer. And uh, they've only got a couple more races left in the season. Gracie Trotter made history when she uh, won the Arkham Menard Series uh, race at Las Vegas. Uh, the very first woman to win under the Arkham and Art Series banner. Uh, she's in third place at 31 points back. Uh, Gio Scalzi, her teammate, uh, along with the teammate for Jesse Love, he's in fourth place, 44 points back. And Trevor Huddleston, the other Sunrise Ford driver in the top five, is 51 points back. The next five are Todd Souza, Holly Holland, Takuma Koga, Bobby Hillis Jr., they all have eight races in the books. And then Bridget Burgess is in the top ten, and she has six of the eight races in the books. So still a couple more races here for these guys uh, before they wrap up their season. They're a little bit further along than the East is. But some amazing uh, competition going on here as well. Yeah, you know, I was talking with Blaine, you know, about the – you know, about the next couple of races, well, they got, um, they have what, All-American, and then they have, uh, they have All-American on Friday, and then on that Sunday in October, they come back two days later, and they go to Kern, and then they finish out of Phoenix, but Blaine was saying that it, he's pretty much, I mean, he suggests you would have to just have, you know, three disastrous races in order for, uh, for Blaine to catch up, because the way the points work, he says he, he just mm-hmm. doesn't feel that, you know, he he just doesn't feel there's enough there's enough racing left, you know. He said, but and the way they're the way the McAnally team is clicking, he said it's going to be hard to you know for them 
you know, he said it's going to be hard to see them, you know, have three three bad races in a row with with Blade having to win the next three. And um, you mm-hmm. know, they're 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 three tough three tough tracks. I mean, All American. We just got back from All American last weekend with the SRL tour, you know, and then um, like I said, that Friday the twenty third or the twenty fourth, they race there, and, and then they then two days later they race on a Sunday at the current. It's going to be some good racing mm-hmm. coming up for the West, though. You know, you know, you know, he's looking forward, you know, to to the tracks that are coming up. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, now, Ryan Unsicker, as I mentioned, we'll get right into the Arkham Menard series here now. He won uh, the uh, race, the Illinois Truck and Equipment Allen Crow 100 on the Springfield Mile at Illinois State Fairgrounds uh, this weekend. And uh, going into the race, I know Haley Deegan said that the one-mile dirt track is going to be tough even for experienced dirt racers. Uh, and the way the article was written on uh, com is nobody told Ryan Unzicker that because uh, he's a 39-year-old dirt track ringer from El Paso, Illinois. He won his first career Arkham Menard Series race this past Sunday in his 20th start. So... Um, uh, he's been going after this one uh, for quite a while, so it's pretty cool to see him finally bring home that victory uh, for those folks out in El Paso, Illinois. Uh, Haley Deegan uh, came in second in this race, and uh, Brett Holmes was third. Taylor Gray finished fourth. And Kelly Kosky, another one of the um, Illinois drivers, uh, she's actually sponsored by Mike Algauer. Uh, that name's familiar for those folks here in Illinois. Uh, she rounds out the top five. So two local Illinois drivers uh, coming home with top fives this weekend, which was pretty cool to see. This was kind of a race of attrition. You had some crashes. You had some overheating, transmission issues, clutch issues, brake issues, suspension issues, and uh, a myriad of things going on in this race. Uh, so... Uh, it really, really was a, a matter of attrition. Uh, but Ryan Inziker actually dominated. He led 102 laps in this race, and I believe uh, it might have even gone in. I think it was scheduled to be a 100-lap uh, race. Uh, it went 102 laps, so uh, there must have been some restarts at the end there too. Yeah, I, I I heard um Haley Deegan during one of her podcasts during the week before this race, she said this is probably gonna be her best chance out of the season, you know, to grab a win, which is gonna be, you know, on the dirt. You know, that she was really looking forward to the you know, to the race itself and you know, you seen it, you know, with the second with the second place finish. And like you mm-hmm. said, you know, with the laps that, that Ryan led, um, looking down at laps next, she only led one lap and that was it and uh he led all he written everything else, so he pretty much dominated and you know dominated the race. Yes, yes. Uh, I mentioned Bill Hendren, the uh, team owner. Uh, he said uh, he knew he needed a car after Unzicker placed ninth in Springfield last season. So they've been kind of looking forward to this race uh, until now, and it was delayed. Usually, this race is in August. It was delayed till October, so they waited a little bit for this one. But his tenure in Springfield goes all the way back to the 1970s, 
that he actually has the longest active streak of any participant in this particular race. So uh, it was really cool to see them find that success this weekend uh, for those people who kind of know that history. But um, uh, Self actually did not finish. Uh, I mentioned that there was uh, there was a lot of things going on in this race. This race, uh, Self was actually involved in a crash and didn't finish the race, which opened the door for uh, Brett Holmes to kind of increase his points lead and also cinch that uh, CGS Imaging Four Crown Championship for the second year in a row. Wow, uh, you know what? I, I wish we could have seen it, but once again, you know what? We're we're at the mercy of that pay per view, that pay per view channel. You know, and I just you know I just can't see. Yeah, I paid you know, for it, but I, I, unfortunately, out. I was involved with some family activities the last couple of weeks, and I did not get to see it either. But I was really really happy to see that Ryan uh, was able to win. Um, now, I do want to look at the points here uh, for this series because, again, the, the points here have really uh, expanded a little bit for the Arkham and Art series. It's kind of been back and forth between uh, Brett Holmes and uh, Michael Self, and right now it's still tight. <laughs> uh, last week, Brett Holmes was one point ahead. This week, he's two points ahead of Michael Self. And their next race is actually their season finale at Kansas Speedway. So uh, this is going to be determined in this next race. Haley Deegan holds down that third-place spot, uh, Sal, with 63 points back. Drew Dollar in fourth place, 82 points back. And Ty Gibbs uh, in fifth place. The next, six dri- the next five drivers are Brad Smith, Sam Mayer, who uh, doesn't have the full complement, neither does Ty Gibbs, um, of races. Thad Moffitt, Chandler Smith, and Taylor Gray, none of those have raced the full season. So, uh, uh, But they're all in the top ten, which is pretty cool to see. Uh, as far as stats for these guys, Brett Holmes has the one win, 13 top tens, and 18 top – I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 13 top fives, 18 top tens in 19 races. One pole award, he's, read, he's led 375 of 2,609 laps. Average starting position of 5.8. Average finishing position of 4.7. Michael Self, his closest competitor, just two points back in 19 races, has the two wins, 11 top fives, 18 top tens, one pole award, and has led uh, 100 and uh, 25 of 2,600 laps. Uh, He has an average starting position of 3.7 with an average finishing position of of 5.2. Now, what's kind of thrown a wrench in all of this is Ty Gibbs is racing part-time. He's only raced 15 of the 19 races. He's led 969 of 2,138 laps. He has an average starting position of 2.6 and an average finishing position of 3.8, which is actually better than those top two drivers in just 15 races, which is amazing. And then when you throw Sam Mayer into the mix, he's raced 13 of the 18 races. 
and uh, he's led 446 of 1,892 laps, has an average start of 6.1 and an average finish of 3.4. And the third driver to throw into this mix in ninth place, Chandler Smith, 12 of the 19 races. He's led 332 of 1,686 laps with an average start of 2.5 and an average finish of 5.8. So some of these guys that are racing part-time have really made this a tight competition as well, Sal. Yeah, they have. And, you know, the the battle, the real battle is going to be between Brett Holmes and Michael Self, you know, going into this last yeah. race, you know, see who's going to get the championship because, the, you know, only being separated by, you know, by a couple Two points. points. Yeah, you know, they're both going to be watching to see where each other is out on the track and, uh, you know, anything from they're on back, they're they're out of the championship completely. So it's going to be a two-man battle. It's going to be a two-man battle for that championship. But I do want to go back and reiterate that uh, uh, if, if, uh, if we go back to – I lost my page here. I've got to find my page again. If we go back to the Sioux Chief Showdown, uh, the winner of that Sioux Chief Showdown, Sal, was Sam Mayer. Uh, and we've already talked about how well he's doing in the Arkham Menard Series East. He also won that Sioux Chief Showdown uh, competition. And now Brett Holmes is the winner of the CGS uh, four-crown title for the second straight season. So he has that championship already in hand. Uh, and I wanted to go over the points of this. Uh, uh, I hope they got the points here. Uh, I know Michael leading. Michael was leading uh, the points. Here we go. Uh, Michael was leading the points coming into Springfield, but uh, uh, with the with the DNF, it kind of put him out of uh, that top spot in this uh, particular one. Now I wanted to see. Yeah. Okay. I can't seem to get the point standings here for the CGS Imaging 4 Crown. Um, I was hoping they had it posted here on ArcaRacing.com. But um, we'll have to see. One thing that Brett can uh, celebrate is winning that CGS 4 Crown champion. Uh, championship, so he does have that title already under his belt. Yeah, now he's looking for the big one, which is the which is a serious championship, and that's going to be a it's going to be a tough race for the both of them. You know, it's not an easy track, you know, to to finish mm-hmm. out a season on. No, no, they're going to be racing at Kansas. Again, I want to give you the details of when that race is taking place because um, that is going to be a huge event. That will be the season finale for the Arkham Menard Series. That takes place October the 16th. So not this coming weekend, but the following weekend on Friday uh, at Kansas Speedway at 7.30 p.m. Central, that's 8.30 Eastern, that will be televised on Fox Sports 1. 
the Kansas 150 is the season finale for the Arkham Menard Series. That will be their 20th and final race of the season. Uh, and I just want to say kudos to the Arkham Menard Series and NASCAR for getting all of these races in under this COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, everybody's had to really scramble to make that happen and still be able to get all 20 of their races in. Yeah, it was, it was, it was tough, you know, <clears throat> you know, all, all the way through, you know, the series and, you know, to see, you know, some of the, the race on the tracks, they weren't, you know, because of the, you know, the social distancing and not only that, but then just the government, the different states, you know, the, the restrictions they put with the COVID-19, you know, as far exactly. as, you know, what, what they were allowing, you know, it made it tough. I, I know out here in California, you know, we're, we're, you know, we've, we've had to cancel a couple of races, you know, and then, and then you add to the fact that, you know, that, um, you know, racing with no fans at all, period, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but yet other states like Florida, Florida, they're racing at five flags. They're racing with fans yes. at five flag speedway. You know, but we're not. Yeah, we haven't had a. I think twenty capacity here. is what they're looking at, so that fans can social distance at the track. But yeah, it, it's been it's been a different year for sure, Sal. Uh, but the drivers, the fans, uh, NASCAR, Arkham, and Art Series, all of these guys have really worked hard uh, to make sure that that all of this works well uh, <laughs> at the track as well as uh, getting all of these tracks lined up so that these teams uh, can get their full schedule into the books for this 2020 season. Uh, So I I just wanted to make sure uh, we give them lots of kudos for all of the hard work uh, that goes into making that happen. Yeah, it's, it's been tough. It's been tough all the way around for just sports in general, you know, you know, not even so much, you know, with, with, you know, with auto racing, you know, it's been, you know, like that, you know, with football, basketball, and baseball. And You're right. You know, you know hopefully all this ends pretty soon, you know, we can get back to our normal, you know, I to our normal lifestyle. NASCAR, NASCAR, NASCAR and ARCA, I really feel that they have uh, kind of set the bar and kind of shown the way for all of the other sports on how to make this happen. Uh, so, you know, you've got to kind of give them a little bit of kudos for that as well. Um, because, uh, I don't think we've had any, any, uh, uh, athletes or, well, we, we've had a couple athletes that have been tested positive, but then they've been able to come back and race the following week. Uh, and I don't think we've heard of any fans getting COVID-19, uh, from being in the stands at any of these races either. So, uh, you know, that, that's a huge accomplishment. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the NASCAR Gandra RV and Outdoor Truck Series race uh, that took place this last Saturday, October the 3rd, the Chevy Chev- Silverado 250 at uh, Talladega Super Speedway. Talladega is always the wild card race, and when it's in the playoffs, it's even a bigger wild card. And we had a spoiler this week, Sal. Rafael Assard, the rookie, age 19, came home with the victory in the number four Canac Toyota for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Mike Hillman Jr. was his crew chief. It was his first victory in 25 truck series races, his uh, fifth 
top 10 finish in first victory in 2020, the first victory and first top 10 in two races at Talladega Super Speedway. Trevor Bain finished second, posting his first top 10 finish in two races at Talladega, and it is his first top 10 finish this season. Chandler Smith, third, posted his first top 10 finish in two races at Talladega. And Rafael Assard, the winner, was actually the highest finishing rookie as well. Sheldon Creed is at the top of the series point standings, and we'll get into that here in just a few minutes. Uh, Let me round out the rest of the uh, group here. Ben Rhodes came in in fourth place. He's the highest finishing playoff player. The podium spots are all taken by non-playoff players, Sal. In fifth place is Cody Rohrbaugh, another non-playoff racer. Uh, Sixth through ninth, we only have two more playoff players in the top ten and that's Brett Moffitt in seventh and Matt Crafton in eighth. Uh, Jordan Anderson finished sixth, non-playoff contender. Kaz Grella and Derek Krause rounding out the top nine and ten spots. Um, And, and again, all seven of the top ten are all non-playoff contenders. So it was a rough time. Well, you know, before the – yeah, before the race – I think it was Michael Waltrip that even said, you know, before the race started, he goes, you know, he goes, we've he goes, I don't think we've ever had a, a playoff. Somebody that's in the playoffs, you know, win the race, and um, you know, even he, he's, you know, he said it's probably going to be a spoiler. It's going to be maybe, you know, a first time winner or something like that. And look at, and he called it right, you know, because it was going to be uh, 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 Rafael Lasard who ended up getting the the win, who you know, who's actually his hometown is in Canada. So he was lucky, you know, that they, um, you know, they lifted the, you know, the ban on the borders over there, you know, you know, for him to come down here from Quebec, you know, and race this race. Yes, indeed. Uh, now, Derek Krause actually won the second stage of this race, and Austin Hill won the first stage uh, of the race. So uh, the race did in under caution uh, and was one hour in 55 minutes and 55 seconds. There were six caution flags for 25 laps, 14 lead changes among 10 drivers. So uh, uh, it was, it was uh, uh, and I did not get to see the race, but uh, it sounds like it was uh, one of those races uh, where it was survival of the fittest. Yeah, it definitely was, and I'll tell you, there was a there was a lot of drivers, you know, that were, um, you know, that were, uh, you know, fight, fighting for those spots, you know, mostly, you know, to stay yes. in, into the, um, you know, to stay into the playoffs, you know, and it was, uh, you know, it wasn't an easy battle for none of them, you know, that were involved. <laughs> well, this was this was an elimination race, so two of those drivers were actually eliminated from the playoffs after this. That's right. Out. It was an elimination race. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. Todd was one of them. When 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 Todd went out with the engine problem, you know, yep. that's when they spoke to me. So you know he's you know that's right. I forgot this was an elimination race. Let's go ahead and go over the series point standings after uh, Talladega. Okay, the series points are. Uh, scroll down here. Austin Hill is in first. Sheldon Creed in second. Zane Smith 
third, Grant Enfinger fourth, and Brett Moffitt round out the top five. Okay. And then from there, then we go down to uh, Ben Rhodes in sixth, Matt Crafton in seventh, Tyler Akram in eighth, Christian Eckes in ninth, and Todd Gilliland uh, round out the top ten. But like you said, they only take you the top eight into the uh, next round. into the uh, into the next round. So, and this one doesn't have the playoff. Who's in the playoffs? So okay. Well, I know that uh, they, they haven't done the cutoff. Uh, that means that Christian Eckes and Todd Gilliland both were eliminated. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that's how it shows it. Yeah. Race. Okay. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. That's definitely showing. Okay, and then playoff points are making such a big deal uh, during these playoffs. The top two drivers uh, both had the 28 playoff points uh, in one and two, and then Zane Smith, the rookie, has 22 playoff points. I mean, he's had an amazing season this year. Uh, 19 playoff points for Grant Infinger, 16 for Brett Moffitt, and 14 for Ben Rhodes. Uh, the top six drivers all double digits in playoff points. You know what, Sharon? In a way, um, you know, I, I was, I was, I like the playoff points, but then now you know when I'm seeing you know different drivers how they're getting eliminated, and some are staying. You know what? I kind of think that the playoffs should be straight up and not no, not no, not no playoff points. You know, because you know it, it gives a driver, you know, like. Uh, you know, like Austin Hill or um, or uh, Sheldon Creed, you know, have a, you know, basically a, it's it's almost like having a whole week of points, you know, under their belt well, you know, before they even come out to the track. Keep in mind, one of the issues that the whole playoff thing came into uh, existence is because NASCAR was looking for a way to reward people to win during the stage throughout the race. So the stage wins. Yeah give them an opportunity to win and and contend throughout the race instead of just the last few laps and then also rewarding them for winning uh the race and give and allowing them to not just coast to the playoffs but to go after more wins for those playoff points to give them the advantage during the playoffs so from that perspective I think it's a good thing that they keep those playoff points. Otherwise, I think we would see a little more uh, non-racing, if you will, throughout the season. Uh, because once you win, you've got no incentive uh, to keep going after that victory. You can pretty much coast and test the rest of the season to uh, just prepare for the playoffs. So this gives the drivers That's, a reason oh, yeah. to race throughout the season. Oh yeah, it's true, but you know it it's, it has its pros and its cons. You know what? It's got its good mm-hmm. and its bad. You know the bad is you know what that you know like drivers you know that don't collect that many playoff points you know but still make the playoffs you know they're kind of they're at a big disadvantage. You know what? Even though they made the playoffs, but yet the ones but you know that, got that the just same went opportunity after... during the season to accumulate those playoff points. Oh yeah, they they, they do to a point. I mean, it depends if you're one of the super teams or if you're just a team, you know, that's barely making it. You know, that can barely, you know, you know, compete. You know, of course, you know, you know, you're, you're not going to get any points. You know, because you know you're mm-hmm. just not. But but I mean, it, it's true what you said though. 
you know, I mean, and, and that's and that was the reason, you know, NASCAR Im- implemented it, you know, the playoff points, you know, um, you know. But then we 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 can also look at the Arkham and Art series, you know, where we have a real tight points battle without no playoff points, you know. Between, yeah. Um, you know, so I, I mean, you know, that's that's one of the pros is that even without the playoff points, you know, we're seeing a really good battle going on for first and second in our in the Arkham and Art series. But yet, you know, we, we really don't know, you know, how it would happen, you know, here in the Cup Series. I mean, like you said, but we've seen it in the past, you know, where, I mean, Jimmy Johnson was known for that. You know, he'd make mm-hmm. the chase, you know. what Once he got in the chase, then he would use the rest of the season, you know, just to test. You know, he, yeah. he, he sure, he wanted the wins. I mean, but if, if he said he wasn't going to get a win, then he would use the rest of the race, you know, to try different, you know, different things, you know, to, you know, to get ready to just totally dominate the, you know, the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, before they implemented the points, you know, which he did, you know, I mean, uh, he got those seven championships, you know, cause Tim and Chad Canales, they, they, they figured out the system and they played the system, you know, and they, and yeah. just happened we've got they two have more good races equipment. to review. And okay. I want to make sure uh, we've got yeah. Rafael Lassard here uh, as audio to hear what he had to say after winning uh, that race as well, the number four Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyota. So let's hear what Rafael Lassard had to say. Can you hear me okay? Uh, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us. Um, we are now joined by our race winner, Rafael Lassard, driver of the number four Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyota. Um, can you talk us through your excitement, how you're feeling right now, getting your first um, Gander Chuck win, and what was a pretty crazy race there at the end? Oh, it feels, it feels amazing. Uh, I mean, at the end, you never know what's going to happen uh, at this super speed. Or, and at the, at the end, I was in position to winning. And I was third on the restart. So I just, uh, my crew chief told me to go as hard as I could and just push the guy in front of me and to not lift. So that's what I did. And the guy behind me gave me an awesome push. He did a, an amazing job to push me to the lead. And the caution came out perfectly. Uh, <laughs> I just... I can't believe it. It's amazing. I can't wait to talk with, with my family and my team. I haven't seen my team since I, the win. So <laughs> can't take anyone at Mobile One, Canag, Toyota. Uh, this Toyota Tundra was uh, awesome. Okay. He talked about the guy behind him that pushed him. That was Ben Rhodes uh, from Thor Sport Racing that gave him that big push. Uh, so pretty exciting for he's Canadian, French, French-Canadian, and like you said, <laughs> he came across the border uh, to be here to race for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Yeah, he did. You know what? It, it was it was kind of in a way. It, it's you know it, at first it's hard to understand him, you know, because you know you think people from Canada, you know, they they have a Canadian accent, but people don't realize that in Canada, depending what side you're on, you have a lot of Hispanics, and on the other side, you have a lot of French. You know, and he has that French accent, you know, um, and it was uh, mm-hmm. it was pretty cool, you know, to, you know, to hear how excited he was. You know, I, I've, I've met Raphael a couple of times at the Snowball Derby, and he's really a heck of a nice guy, you know what, and, and this was a well, it was a really well-deserved win. I mean, it was a battle, you know, and he, he ended up coming out on top, but I'll, I'll tell you, you know what, it was, uh, it was really a heck of a, you know, a heck of a win. I, I'm sure he's really happy. You know, with the with okay. the win. I'm sure you know, he I mean, is. Well, that I was mean, his very first well, win. You, you, and you now we tell. need to get into yeah. the <laughs> We only have ten minutes yeah, you, for each of these, Sal. 
Oh, I, I know. Okay. I know. I'm just, I'm just having some fun. I know, know you are. And I week. hate to, to cut you off, but I've, I know. If, if we're going to get all three of these done, we got to stay to the schedule. Okay. Um, Justin oh, Haley. I was kind of hoping to won. avoid the. I was, I was kind of hoping to avoid the cup one. That wasn't a very, very oh. nice uh, race. But either, either way, okay, let's get to well, the Xfinity. Xfinity to was the race. It. Xfinity, yeah. Justin Haley was the race winner in the Ag Pro 300 in the number 11 leaf gutter, leaf filter gutter protection Chevrolet for Matt Cowlig, and his crew chief was Alex Yance. It was a third victory all on super speedway tracks in 65 Xfinity Series races. His third victory and 18th top 10 finish this season, and his second victory and third top 10 finish in four races at Talladega Super Speedway. Ryan Sieg, uh, they've got him listed in second here, uh, and he posted his second top 10 finish in nine races at Talladega Super Speedway. It's his 10th top 10 finish this season. Noah Gregson in third. Uh, his third top ten finish in five races at Talladega. Harrison Burton was the highest finishing rookie in 23rd place. And Chase Briscoe, again, we'll get to that. He still leads the series point standings. The rest of the top ten here are Brandon Jones in fourth, Daniel Hemrick in fifth, and the uh, next five drivers are Ross Chastain, Joss Williams in seventh, Garrett Smithley finished eighth, Brendan Brown in ninth, and Alex LeBay rounds out the top ten. That was a it was a heck of a race, I'll tell you. It was um you didn't know who was gonna win until the very end because they were just I mean, the passing and everything that, that went on, you know, at the end of the race was was crazy in itself, you know, and Ryan Sieg, I I thought man, I thought he was gonna get, I thought he was really gonna get his first win, but Justin Haley he just He's he just proving, you know, that he's he is one of the um one of the one of the best drivers out there when it comes to the restrictor plate uh racing. I mean right. he was this his third his third in a row or something like that. He tied Dale Earnhardt. Right. I think they said for Steve, for the most plate in a way in a row. Yeah, he's done really well on the on the super speedways. His position was actually moved up. Michael Annette was actually disqualified during the post race inspection. He was second at the end of this race, but he now goes back to the back with that disqualification. So uh, I wanted to make sure we also noted that. And Ross Chastain was was strong too, and and uh, I mean he he had his he had his issues too, you know, a couple spins, you know, and still you know, uh, or well, I think one spin or something got one wrecked, and you know still had a you know a really good uh, really good finish there. Finish. And, uh, you know, and sixth, yeah. Yeah. Now, Chase Briscoe dominated the stages, the first two stages. He won both of those. Uh, there were seven caution flags for 25 laps, 13 lead changes among nine drivers. This race was also <laughs> uh, finished under a caution. So two races in a row here finished under a caution, Sal. Yeah, you know, and, and it was – I don't know. It was it was just it, it was it was chaotic. I mean, you know, yep. as far as you know, Typical. with the yeah, with the with the way that you know everything, the whole all just the way the whole racing went. It was just it was chaotic. But it was, it was some good racing. You know what? Um, you know there was some 
you know, I'm sure there's some bad blood. You know, I'm, you know, Noah Gregson, I'm sure wasn't one of the most popular drivers, you know, when he left the, when he left the track, but then you could see him and, uh, gosh, I forget who it was he got into and they, they kind of fist bumped after the race, but, um, Mm. Chase Briscoe and, uh, and, um, was it Chase Briscoe and, uh, gosh, the, um, Austin Sindrick. Yeah. Austin Sindrick, man, they were, they were just, they were hooked up the whole race. Yeah, yep. Mean, let's go ahead really... and cover the series points yeah. for those guys. Okay, give me one second here. Let me, uh, I'm parking my car right now. Oh, okay. okay here are the points. I can go ahead and yeah, get here are the points. started if you want. Okay. I, I got them right here. Okay. So we got okay. Chase Briscoe leading the points, Austin Cedric in second, Noah Gregs in third, Justin Haley in fourth, Brandon Jones fourth, Ryan Segan in fifth. Brandon Jones in fifth, Ryan Siegel in sixth, Justin Allgaier seventh, Ross Chastain in eighth, Harrison Burton ninth, and Brandon Brown is in tenth. Okay. And then, um, so. and then we lost. Did we lose two drivers? I think no, not yet. Was, not until uh, next week. Next week. Yeah, next it's week. next week for the Roval. Yeah, next week for the Roval. Yeah, because that's right. Because. They had done an interview with Riley Herbst after the race, and he said he goes he has a role next week that he has to be strong in, or he's out of the, or he's out of the, um, out of the chase too, out of the, um, playoffs. Yeah, out of the chase, out of the playoffs. Okay, so uh, right now, uh, the playoff drivers also include Riley Herbst in the eleventh, uh, another one of the rookies, as well as Michael Lynette in twelfth place. Yeah, and that situation with uh, his disqualification after the race really hurt Michael. Uh, now, playoff points, uh, Chase Briscoe, <laughs> eight wins this year. He's got 59 playoff points, so he's well stacked there. Uh, Austin Sendrick has 50 playoff points. Noah Gregson, 25. Justin Haley, 23. Brandon Jones with 20. Uh, Ryan Siegel only has the two, but Justin Algauer has 33 playoff points, along with Ross Chastain with 10 and Harrison Burton with 14. Uh, so the, what is that? That's uh, five, eight drivers with double-digit playoff points in this series. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, you know, and actually um, when you think about it, Chase Briscoe, I was around last week, but with Chase Briscoe's win, he hit his eighth. Remember at the beginning of the season, he said, in order for him to be competitive in the yep. top series, he has to win at least eight races this season. And I wasn't on the show last week, but, you know, he got his eighth win last week, you know, so he's up at eight wins and leading the points, you know, and, um, you know, looks, you know, to, well, it's going to end up to be when they go to Phoenix, it's going to be, you know, basically the race winner is going to have to be the, looks like it's going to be the champion unless it's, unless it's somebody like, uh, uh, Ryan Sieg, you know, who doesn't have any playoff points, <laughs> you know. But, exactly. Um, One of the short track aces. Um, yeah. Let's hear what uh, Justin Haley had to say. We'll get a quick sound bite from him after winning the Xfinity race at uh, Talladega. All right, Justin. You hear me okay? I got you. Awesome. All right. Well, congratulations on another Super Speedway win. We are now joined by Justin Haley, driver of the number 11 Colleague Racing Chevrolet. Um, Justin, how do you feel heading to the Roval knowing, you know, that pressure is kind of off your back for that race? 
such a relief. Um, you know, I points race all day, and then you get down to the last ten laps, and it's like you just completely forget about it and go across the start-finish line, win, and then, you know, I didn't even register that we made it into the round of eight, locked ourselves in until a good bit after. Um, so it, so much pressure is relieved, at least for a week. But we still have to go to the road. We, have, we still have to execute, right? we got to um, finish well. That way we have a good starting position at the next race, good pit selection. Um, so, so next week, obviously, is, is not an off week, but um, at least no pressure. Okay. Uh, so that's always a good deal when you don't have that pressure going into that elimination race. Uh, so a really big win for Justin Haley there. Uh, now we'll go ahead and move on to the Cup Series uh, because this was a little controversial uh, in this particular race, and we'll talk about that real quick. Uh, the Yellowwood 500, Denny Hamlin was the race winner at the age of 39 in the number 11 FedEx Express Toyota uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing, and Chris Gabehart is his crew chief. It was his 44th victory in 538 Cup Series races, his 7th victory this season, and 19th top 10 finish this year, his second victory and 13th top 10 finish in 31 races at Talladega. Eric Jones, second, posting his third top ten finish in nine races at Talladega and his 12th top ten finish this year. Ty Dillon in third, his second top ten finish in nine races at Talladega. Tyler Reddick, seventh, was the highest finishing rookie. And Denny Hamlin leads the series points, which we will get to here in just a few minutes. Uh, to round out the rest of the top ten, William Byron finished fourth. Chase Elliott, uh, a playoff player in fifth. Ryan Newman, Tyler Reddick, John Hunter Nemechek, Brendan Poole, and Ryan Priest, all non-playoff players, uh, rounding out the top ten. Only two playoff drivers in that top ten. So. Yeah, that's crazy. This is a, this was another, like you said, another. Another crazy race, and instead of it being called the Yellow Wood, they should have called it the Yellow Line, because <laughs> no that Yellow kidding. Line ended up ended up to be the um, the deal breaker all the way around. You know, as far as you know, you know how this race ended. Um, man, what a what a race though! I, uh, you know, Tyler Reddick was up there for a while, and then um, I I this had I think this is the second time that Tyler Reddick has taken Kyle Busch out. <laughs> And I'm surprised Kyle didn't mention anything. I think Kyle just wanted to leave. He didn't want to talk. But, you know, they yeah. being a chase driver, he had to give an interview. But this is the second time that um, Tyler Reddick has, has messed up uh, Kyle Busch's day, you know. And, and you know, he, but either way, you know, um, you know, you know, you, you have to feel bad for a couple of drivers. But the but the finishing order was, was really um, was really amazing. I mean, shoot, they were really battling back battling. and forth. I mean, uh, up and yeah. down. I mean, it was like. I'm going to take the top line. I'm going to take the bottom line. We're going to use the bottom line and go back to the top line and and uh, back and forth, back and forth. I could believe in some of those wrecked cars that the front ends were all taped up with uh, bare bond, that they were still racing on, on like, At within the, the top five. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> shoot, Alex Bowman's car was thrashed. But yet he was up there, and he was up there almost, you know, he was leading. So was uh, uh, Tyler Reddick, too. His car is all bashed up, and there was a couple of cars that were really <clears throat> bashed up and those guys were in there battling. And, uh, it was, uh, I'll tell you, it was, uh, I felt bad for NASCAR because they, 
they really put themselves in a in a in a cooker at the end of the race. I know. Well, the the length <clears throat> was four hours five minutes and fifty eight seconds. The margin of victory, point zero eight six seconds. Uh, Chris Busher won the first stage. It was uh, Martin Truex Jr. winning the second stage, and of course Denny Hamlin the winner at the end. Twelve caution flags. I'm sorry, thirteen caution flags for 54 laps and 58 lead changes among 18 drivers, Sal. Uh, that's very amazing. And how many red flags? I think they had two or three two or three red flags where they had to actually stop uh, the race. Yeah, there, there was that too. So uh, let me see if I can see. I thought this race was never going to end. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh my gosh! And then I, I felt yeah, bad for the like fans at home. Yeah, it sounds like it was a long one. Yeah, the fans at home weren't paying attention, but they said we're going to go to NBCSN to finish the race, and people didn't listen, oh. and uh, social media blew up because they they just stopped the race and went to they had to go to. But if you went to NBCSN, you got to finish watching the race, and they made the announcement. And a lot of people social media blew up over over that too. But I mean. You know they went as okay. long as they could, and uh, they missed a good um, they missed a good ending of the race. But I felt bad for okay, Matt for Matty D because he got jacked. I know, I know that was that All was the, the sad around. part there. Uh, but let's go over the points report, Sal. Okay, the points report is, um, let me see, top twelve because oh yeah, Danny Hamlin's at first. Kevin Kevin Harvick second, Chase Elliott third, Brad Keselowski fourth, Martin Truex round out the top five, and uh, I'm sure Danny Hamlin is uh, really loving loving being up, you know, leading leading the points, you know. Again, you know, I know he did it some years back as he was chasing his championship. We'll see what happens at the end of this season, and then we go down to Alex Bowman sixth, Joey Logano seventh, Kyle Busch eighth, Austin Dillon ninth, Kurt. Bush, 10th, and he's already locked in anyways. Uh, Tim Boyer, 11th. Uh, Eric Amarillo, 12th. Ryan Blaney, 13th. William Byron, well, 14th. Matt, Matt, Matty D. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're, we're only at the top 12. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Ryan Blaney, William Byron, and Matt D. Cole Custer, man, who, who got to see an eyeful of uh, of Kurt Busch yeah. and his windshield is out, too, and and uh, like Kurt Busch said, you know, he's lucky he just won that race because he was in. So kind of this race and the role, you know, he said, you don't really have to worry much about it because I'm already locked yeah, in lucky the next for round. Him. So, lucky oh, yeah, for him, because for it's sure. not, Oh, yeah, because he took a heck of a ride, I'll tell you, when he jumped on on the top of, uh, of uh, Cole Custer's car. Yes, I heard about that. Now, there's several drivers here with double digits in the playoff points. Uh, the the highest playoff point driver is Kevin Harvick in second. He's got 67. Denny Hamlin has 54. Uh, Denny, of course, has the seven wins. Uh, Kevin Harvick has nine victories. Uh, Brad Keselowski has the 35 playoff points in fourth. Chase Elliott with 22 playoff points in second. Then you've got uh, Joey Logano in seventh, also with 22 playoff points. And Martin Truex Jr., with 17 playoff points. Those are the drivers in double digits uh, for playoff points in this group. And then let's hear what the race finisher had to say. 
and if we've got time, I'd like to also uh, play what Scott Miller had to say. But let's hear what Denny Hamlin had to say after winning in the number 11 for Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. Hey, Denny, can you hear me okay? Yes. Awesome. Well, great to have you in the media center. Um, congratulations on another win um, and securing your way into the next round of the playoffs. Can you just talk us through that wild race, um, kind of hanging out in the back and then um, getting getting the win? Yeah, it was uh, certainly um, it was uneventful for 490 miles for us. Uh, we, we didn't do a whole lot. Uh, we led the first part of it, but uh, once we got shuffled there and I put myself in, well, we came off pit road, I think fifth. Uh, we came in leading, came out fifth. You know, I just I didn't want to put myself in a position where I could get wrecked early. I didn't want uh, a mid-30s finish. Um, I would have taken mid-20s, but not mid-30s. In my mind, I needed to pick up about 20 points over the next two weeks to lock myself into the uh, top eight. So I just kept watching as, as the wrecks were happening and kind of counting points. Um, you know, I hate I hate that that's the way I had to do it, but I mean, it's just you got to play the game the way it's uh, it's designed to be played, and um, we we put ourselves in a good position there. And then, you know, had got really fortunate where, um, you know, the wreck didn't seem like it was going to happen. Uh, we were in the 20s, I think, on the first green white checkered, and um, we just he's like, come in, let's get fuel, just in case there's more green white checkers and. Um, at that point, we were just kind of punting, hoping that uh, we were going to get somewhere in the top 15. And, uh, you know, it, it just kept wreck after wreck, just, you know, made it to where we didn't have to worry about fuel. Everybody else did. And, um, you know, it just things worked out for us, and we made the right move at the right time. Okay. So those were the comments from Denny Hamlin. Uh, and uh, I know, Sal, you have to get going uh, at the 9.30 time frame here, uh, and we'll get into hot topics. And I think what I'll do is I'll play the Scott Miller audio as we transition into hot topics because that will probably be the number one hot topic that we'll talk about tonight. Uh, but uh, any thoughts that you want to share with us uh, before you say goodnight? Yeah, you know, I think, the, I think the quote of the day that I heard on – the quote of the day that I heard on social media from a fan was that, Danny Hamlin bought a team, so NASCAR rewarded him with the win. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I well, thought that, you know what? Because of, because of the way the the way the win came with the yellow line rule, the way it wasn't mm-hmm. played, the way it played out, it played out for him, but it didn't work for Chase Elliott, it didn't work for um for Matty D, and you know, and I just I just thought that that was you know well thought out. And that was the only one usually you'll hear about hundred of them. That's the only one I heard like mm-hmm. that. But you know what? I mean, congratulations on having on the win. You know what? And and, and all the drivers that make it into the next round. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I'll tell you, it was it was a heck of a race. And I and I thought a lot of cars were going to run out of gas, and they took their chances. And then Matty D was one of them. I thought he was going to run out of gas. Yep, I he thought he come in that last I, pit stop. I thought he was going to get it. I, I I thought he's done. He's finished. And and he he went out there, you know, and. And, you know, he, he had tears in his eyes after the race, you know, because yeah. he knew how close that's he came, so you know, and then when, and then when they announced, when they announced the penalty to put him back even farther, that just, I mean, that, that's like put a knife in his chest. But, you know, other than that, um, you know, it was a good, it was a good, good weekend of racing at Talladega and, um, you know, and, you know, the new season, the new schedule came out. So we'll just talk, I guess, talk about that next week. It's, it's going to be good racing oh, okay. next, next year with the, 
with all the new stuff. And with that, you know, I just want yes, to say I'm goodnight excited to everybody. About Have a good weekend. Yeah. Well, I know. And um, a lot of other stuff coming up. You know, I'll be at Arundel yep. this weekend for our for our, um, our weekly racing series. And then um, in two weeks, three weeks, I'll be up in Kern for the for the Arca Menards West series is racing with the Southwest Tour series on a Sunday, a doubleheader. Cool. So that's going to cool. be a, a California Classic. So that's going to be a good good weekend of racing on 25th and 26th. Other than that, I'm going to say good night. You guys have a good show, and I will talk to you all next week. Okay, Sal. Thanks for being here. It was good to have you back, and hopefully we'll have you back next Monday. <laughs> yeah, I should be back next Monday. So, all right, good night. Okay. Good night, Sal. All right, we are now at the 9.30 half hour of tonight's show, and uh, that means it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. We ended the last segment talking about Denny Hamlin's win and his comments. Jay, I know you kind of were listening in there. Uh, And what I want to play next uh, is, well, first of all, let me say welcome to the show. (laughs) That well, I understand where you're at because you're right. This was a hot topic from uh, midpoint on yesterday, without a doubt. So uh, I am happy that you have some audio, so I know exactly what I am responding to. Uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to Sirius XM today, uh, but I definitely want to know what it is I'm responding to because I have a response. You you heard Denny Hamlin's comments, right? I did. Okay, I thought so. Okay, so next. What I'm going to play here is uh, the comments from the Senior Vice President of Competition, uh, Scott Miller. It's three minutes and 32 seconds, so I'm going to play it in its entirety so that uh, folks can hear uh, what he had to say about the finish of the NASCAR Cup Series race at Talladega on Sunday. Okay, here we go. All right, and we are going to bring in... um Scott Miller right now. Give me one second to get this spotlighted. Are you able to hear me okay? I can. All right. Yes. All righty. Well, we are now joined by Scott Miller, our Senior Vice President of Competition. Um, We received some questions um, on the last lap, and he will take a few questions to clarify. Um, Let's kick things off. Go ahead. Yes, Scott, can you kind of explain the calls, the no call on Denny and the call on DeBandetto and Elliott at the end of the race? Well, yeah, it um, was pretty clear cut. The 21 hung a left and, and drove those guys down below the line. So uh, we had called that twice on the 22 car uh, during the race, so nothing different there. Um, on the, the 24 and the 11 being down there, I mean, we, in our judgment, um, they were down there to avoid a wreck. And uh, on the nine, I mean, he obviously just pulled out and passed underneath the yellow line. So I think all of it was, um, you know, from our from our vantage point, I think fairly clear cut. And is, would there be any consideration to eliminating this rule or eliminating it maybe for the final lap or overtime? Um, I think you heard Eric say in the previous interview that there would probably be even more wrecks, and we certainly don't need more wrecks than what we saw today. So uh, probably not. Okay, we'll take our next question. Um, Dustin Long, did you have a question? 
Thank you, uh, Scott. Um, you know, is there is there much more that that can be done in terms of the rule? Obviously, you guys explained it in the drivers' meeting. Um, you know, you had to penalize multiple people today. Uh, are you bothered that that you had to make this call this many times with how much you guys have enforced this rule and reminded drivers of this uh, throughout the last few years? Yeah, I mean, outside of putting a wall there, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what more we can do. I mean, I do sincerely believe that we need the rule. I mean, you see all the, the real estate that's around here, and and if we started, you know, having cars running 12 wide down the back straightaway, I mean, just imagine what would happen when you get to turn three. So I think that we, it's important that we continue to have a rule. Um, I, I get out there in the heat of. A battle, things happen. It's, um, uh, you know, it's 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 hard when there's all that real estate down there, but you just you just can't do it. So I mean, I, I don't think that we can eliminate it. I think it would be a mess. So um, we 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 kind of are where we are. Thank you. Yes. Sir. All right. Our next question will come from Alan Savana. Go ahead, Alan. Hi, Scott. Where did you view the 17 in all this? Was he one? trying to avoid the wreck was because it looked like he may have forced the 11 down so should the 17 have got a penalty i just wanted to clear that up uh, i mean i said we saw sparks flying and everybody trying to avoid the mess that the 21 created so that's that we we didn't even consider much about the 17. thank you yes sir all right scott well thank you so much for taking the time to clarify for us um, and have a good evening all right you guys too thank you thank you Okay, there you have it. Uh, comments from Scott Miller, the uh, vice president, senior vice president of competition there in NASCAR. So now that you've heard that, uh, we are talking about, just to clarify, the closing laps of the NASCAR Cup Series race at Talladega on Sunday and the yellow line rule he does provide some clarification there. And just for full disclosure, I have not seen any of the replays. I have not seen the race. So I'm just going off of what I'm hearing uh, from people. But, Jay, you did see the race. So I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. I did. And I did watch it. I was watching it live. And I think uh, I was typing something as Andy. I expected Mike to be the first one to come in with it. But I know he might not have got to watch it live. Andy was the first one to pop into our group messenger with uh, some opinions on it. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I guess he can't be here with us tonight, but I know he was in great well, disagreement. He's given me his comments, though, so I'm going to Okay. I'm okay, gonna good deal. Good deal. His comments. Okay, um, go ahead. I, I, I got to get all these things. There's so many things just in this one topic alone. First off, I'll start with uh, I caught the tail end there of Sal's. I hadn't seen the whole NASCAR gave Denny Hamlin a win because he just he's getting a new team and he want they want him to feel supported. I don't get into all those conspiracy. <laughs> I hear them all the time. You know that one is way over the top. However, I do think there may have been some favoritism showed, uh, and I'll try to get to that. Starting with first off, what I did hear was people trying to compare it back to Regan Smith and Tony Stewart when they first implemented that line. I will say this, they have modified the rule since then. At that time, it was you didn't cross that line, nothing, no way, no how. They have now put it to where, hey, if you get forced down there, come back up, we'll look at who forced you down there. Second off, the going down there, coming back up, giving the position back, not advancing your position. 
so you can't compare going back to the Tony Stewart deal. So that was, I don't know how many years ago, but just need to let that go. Uh, we're talking about right now under the current conditions. My problem is, is as I see it, the consistency within this race. First off, I was upset about the Matt, Matt DiBenedetto penalty, but upon watching it on a second and third and fourth and eighth or how many times they replayed it, I understand where they made that call. I, I really do. And they had made it. I, I didn't realize that Joey got it twice, but I, I know that he had once. And Joey knew it, you know, when he, he actually started backing up and made sure he wasn't in the way for stage points, which I thought was professional because he knew he was going to take the penalty anyway. Um, he backed out of the line and went to the behind them anyway, knowing that penalty was coming and he accepted it. So uh, I, I feel really bad for Matt Benedetto. I understand his frustration, but that one I do think was an acceptable call once uh, once I saw the replay. What I don't like, initially they had penalized Chase Elliott, but not Denny Hamlin. And I think in order to save face, they had to give Chase his back so they could stand by their decision on Denny Hamlin. I disagree with both of them. I understand when there is a wreck in front of you, um, the whole you can go down pit road and at speed and then slow down, things of that nature. But when it comes to the whole advancing your position by going under that line, I don't think the wreck was completely there. And any driver can say, hey, I felt there was a wreck in front of me. You know, that's why they do it is they're avoiding it, something in front of them. Even if the car slows up, it's either that or they cause the wreck. So I think they need to find a way to better consistently make that call. Uh, in this case, I would have penalized Denny Hamlin as well as Chase Elliott. Uh, again, fan favorite, whatever, most popular driver, doesn't matter. That is my biggest issue is it seems to me that there may be some of, and like I said, it's not that Denny Hamlin is going to buy, have a team next year that they're trying to show him some, some love or anything. But I do think, and it, I was kind of hoping Mike could be here tonight to, 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 to bounce this <laughs> off of, but it goes back to, I think it was the obscene gesture on TV. Chase Elliott didn't get fined. Kyle says the wrong thing or even rolls his eyes, and it seems like he mm-hmm. gets fined for a gesture. <laughs> You know, so that's where I don't like that. I, I take the names out of it. You know, is it black and white against the rule? And in my opinion, mm-hmm. that was a case of it was against the rule. The wreck had not fully developed or happened yet. Chase Elliott, I would say, has more of a cry as far as that of him avoiding the wreck because at that point there were some more cars sideways and turned. Um, but Denny Hamlin did not. He had a couple of different options of where to go. And now this is strictly uh, – I'll get a little bit more here, and then I'll take a break so you can get in here, Sharon. I know, uh, but oh, like okay. I said, there are so <laughs> many things. Um, the one thing I will say is I don't necessarily like the rule. However, if they're going to have it, enforce it. And I want to explain a dirt track rule that I've seen. Their rule is if you come to a stop, you are part of the caution and have to go to the rear, Okay. So that means if a car in front of you spins out, your choice is either stop and go to the rear and protect your car or drive through them. And the way the rule is, and Brad Keselowski was the one that first one to do it. He said, I stayed above the line. Yeah, I hooked the dude. He went across my hood and wrecked, but I didn't go below the yellow line. Yep. You know, so to me, that yep. was, like I said, I was Ham- Hamlin put it in their hands and had to hope for the best that he'd get, get the benefit of the doubt. But if the rule is then you don't do it or you get penalized. And I don't feel like they enforced it there. 
And now I'll go ahead and take a mm-hmm. breath and uh, let you get in here. <laughs> oh, that's quite all right. Like I said, I was actually driving. I was on the road yesterday all day, and uh, I didn't. I purposely did not watch or listen to the race because I really wanted to watch it, and I haven't even had a chance to do that yet today. Um, but uh, I saw all the messages coming through on the messenger, and I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> something happened at the end of this race. Um, so I started kind of tooling around and trying to figure out what it was. And uh, then when I realized what it was, I'm going, ah, oh, the yellow line. The yellow line uh, rule is uh, really something. And the thing is, is that I think uh, Brad Keselowski was making a point when he did go through that driver, like, you're not giving me any other option. If I can't go below the yellow line, then I'm going to have to go through the guy in front of me. So I think Brad Keselowski was actually trying to make a point when he did that uh, to kind of point out to NASCAR that, that that's the option that you're giving us. But NASCAR changed the rule and said, okay, if you're avoiding an accident, you can go down below the yellow line. Again, full disclosure, I've not seen it yet, so I can't really comment on exactly what happened yesterday. Uh, I can only go by what, what you guys are saying. But I do know that Jeff Luck brought up some concerns about the officiating, and and he's a pretty reliable source. So when the media starts questioning what's going on, that causes me to kind of wonder as well uh, about everything. And I apologize, I've not had a chance to go back and, and really look at it or study it or anything to, to really be able to fully comment on it. But I do know Andy was highly disappointed. He said the one comment I can make is how disappointed I was in the 11 non-call for going below the yellow line. Serious inconsistencies in the officiating. And um, I think at the time that you guys were chatting on Messenger, uh, you guys did not know that the penalty for Chase Elliott had been rescinded yet. Uh, but, yeah, it makes you wonder is, is all I can really say about it. Uh, I looked to see if I could see any of Mike's comments here. I don't think Mike really commented on it. But I know Andy was very, very upset. But... Uh, I, I do think that they, they, you know, it's one of those situations where it seems like you're darned if you do and you're darned if you don't. The problem with determining if they were trying to avoid a wreck is it, it seems like it could be subjective <laughs> based on what I'm hearing. Uh, you know, Brad Keselowski made that point by running through that guy saying, I didn't go below the yellow line, so I had to go through the guy. Um, so they modified the rule but now they're getting dissed because they modified the rule, and in their opinion or in their view, they felt that Denny Hamlin was there to avoid the wreck. So, you know, how do you how do you monitor that? How do you qualify that? I I don't know, but I think I think that it's a situation of you're darned if you do and you're darned if you don't. So is it better for the drivers to drive through each other in those situations like Brad Keselowski did, or is it better for them to have the subjective rule? Although he he feels like it was very clear-cut. 
I've seen both sides. It depends on which which side of the rule you came out on. Um, you hit on a key exactly. thing there. It is very subjective, um, just like the whole advancing your position and then whether or not you give it back. And obviously, white flag coming to the, to the checkers, you're not going to give anything back. Out. You're going to make NASCAR. It's- yeah, you're going to make NASCAR make that judgment call. Um, first off, I know there was one the one suggestion. I don't remember if that came from Sal or. Um, the whole taking the rule away unless you put a wall there or whatever. Yeah, you can't do that. Oh, the rule yeah. is there for a reason. I understand the safety that. reason of it, you know, back at back in the day. Again, especially on a bank track like that, you go back down below it and then come back up, you're gonna be in trouble. I mean, um so I, I understand hate to have the them reason. put a wall there because I think people are gonna get hurt if you put a wall there. Um right. how, and how that, serious that's the, the competition is. Where where the ultimate thing comes in there is safety, and that's why you know drivers saying too though if you're telling me I have to run into somebody and wreck wreck them or, or drive through them, you know that's also a safety concern. So yes, I, but it still does come down to like you said, it, it is a subjective call. What defines a wreck? The guy in front of you gets half sideways and then has to check up and catch his car. Is that a wreck? Okay, maybe not, mm-hmm. but if you have to stand in the gas and run into them, it's going to be a wreck. I mean, so mm-hmm. when does the, when does the wreck start? You know, does it take one car being upside down or completely sideways or, you know, so that's, that, that is a subjective call. And I understand that in that position they have to make that. It just seems to me like they're not consistent with it. Uh, well, and you're right. And when, you it, gotta, when and it, it's super hard to be consistent with it, I think. I, I, you've got to have a clear cut. I think what fans are asking for is that clear cut definition of when it's. And drivers too want to know what the clear cut rule is. What is the clear cut rule for uh, when I can go below that line and right. when I can't? Hey, you're right. Like I said, from a driver's perspective, if the guy in front of him is is loose and sideways and looks like he's going to wreck, you're you're anticipating the wreck. You're going to go around it. So if he saves the car, well, then it's not a wreck. You get penalized. If he spins out completely, then you're in the good. But you can't predict that based on his initial wiggle. You don't know. Um, There were several Mm -hmm. drivers that did have that opinion. The other one, you mentioned Jeff Gluck. Uh, Dale Jr. actually, and I was a little surprised at this one, uh, Jr. had some Twitter comments of questioning the call. And I think it was Steve O'Donnell that responded to him. Like, well, we feel it's clear cut. We show the video uh, prior to the race. And I've been in some drivers meeting with you, Sharon, where they show the video and explain things. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. again, it, it's subjective based on whether or not there was a wreck. You know, what are you defining as a wreck or whatever? So well, it is a tough position. Like, like, it is a very tough position because at a track like Talladega Super Speedway, you were talking about split seconds where you've got to make that decision. And I mean split seconds where you've got to make that decision whether that wiggle is going to be a wreck or whether that wiggle is just a wiggle. I know one of them, um, the one earlier in, in the in the uh, event that didn't get called was only two wheels touching it. And then again, and I believe that was one of Chase Elliott's. And you were right there. When Andy and I first started messaging, and believe this or not, I'd watch the race, and as I started watching the post-race and starting to hear some of it, uh, I actually turned it off. We were getting ready to go somewhere, but I I could have stayed and watched a few minutes of it. And I was so frustrated at that point I had turned the post-race stuff off. Um, 
So it was later that I found out about Chase Elliott's being rescinded. Like I said, to, from my viewpoint, they had to change his in order to stand on giving Denny Hamlin the okay. They had to then go back and change Chase Elliott's penalty so that it would support the same decision they made for mm-hmm. Denny Hamlin, which that's where, like I said, both of them were the that's same. Where you made two different it. calls. Right. You made two different calls. All of a sudden you changed one to protect the other. And again, this is from my viewpoint, from MJ's viewpoint. That's what really bothered me was that two different calls were made for the exact same supposed MJ. That's me. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry. I was trying to think Um, of somebody besides you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Well, you brought, you brought in Stan last week, so I'm bringing somebody new imaginary with me this week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I was like, wait a minute, we need to clarify who MJ is. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Um, So, like I said, that's where all the questioning really starts to come in. And like I said, I know I'm saying I disagree with NASCAR's call, but I also understand they are in a very tough position. Like I said, the rule needs to be there, um, most definitely, and... I'll go, I'll go with Sal on this one. I, you've been or at least been around some dirt track racing, Sharon. Mm-hmm. The Uke tires mm-hmm. or tractor tires they put around infields. I saw somebody have a post up with that of if NASCAR wants to fix the double yellow line, it's not a wall. It's these occasional uke uh, tires spread out through the, through mm-hmm. there. So as a dirt track fan, I th- I found that kind of funny. <laughs> wow! Wow! Well, and and you know maybe that is the answer. I don't know, but. Uh, just, just oh, it's to, it's not. Trust me, it's it's not. It's not. On a, on I, you know, so- I was going to say. It seems to me like we see more wrecks with that on there a solid because they've wall, got nowhere to go. If you put up a solid wall, if you hit it head on, obviously it's bad. But if you hit an angle, you're going to slide across it. With the Uke tires, when you hit it, you're either coming to a stop or you're getting airborne one way or another. So I'm not a big mm. fan of the Uke tires either, but that is what a lot of dirt tracks okay. use. Okay. Well, again, I, I just think it's a tough position for NASCAR to be in, number one. Uh, and number two, um, I, I know they don't want people using all that real estate at the finish of the race or even during the race to advance their position. Um but yeah, I just think it sounds to me like it was a subjective call. It, it really does, and uh, in their eyes, uh, they obviously see it as a very clear-cut uh, call that they made. And uh, you know, the fans just adamantly disagree with that, as well as some of the media people, apparently, uh, including ourselves. So. Uh, uh, it's it's unfortunate and yeah it would be it would have been nice if Mike could have been on too I should have gotten his comments uh, about the end of that race and I'm not even sure if he saw that race do you know if he saw it I don't like I said he wasn't watching it live because uh, I didn't hear anything from him until this morning so uh, I don't know if he had okay. a chance to watch any of the replays or not and I know he said he's been been pretty busy lately um, and normally if he's watching live we do get some comments from him. Uh, in the in the messenger or something, and the fact that we didn't, I was assuming he hadn't watched it. Okay, yeah, and in the last couple of weeks, I've not been able to watch any of the races, so I've got a lot of catching up to do myself. But uh, yeah, this is uh, 
The, the other thing that kind of bothered me, though, if, if you will, and Denny mentions this in his post-race audio, so let's talk about this. I know a lot of drivers do this, uh, but he, he talks about hanging back a little bit during that race to try to take care of his car. He was counting the points, and he wasn't really going after anything until the end of that race. And that's something that I always have a little bit of a problem with because I don't really, you know, think that that's racing. I think that's just um, riding around in a circle, which a lot of people complain about. Um, So, and when you're talking about 500 laps of just riding around in a circle to be there at the end, you know, I know drivers do it, but I'm not a big fan of that. What are your thoughts about his conservative strategy? This is another one that's a a tough position for NASCAR to be in, Um, you know, especially when you have fans screaming, hey, we came to watch our drivers uh, run, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. However, from the driver's aspect, the ultimate goal is win the race. You do what you need Mm -hmm. to do to win the race, okay? So that's where their side comes into play. Once they implemented the stage racing and stage points, that kind of changed that, um, where in the middle of the race you got a battle for it. However, in this week, this week it could have been Kurt Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick, pretty secure on points, not necessarily guaranteed or locked in like Kurt Busch was. But, again, so his point there, he doesn't necessarily need any more uh, bonus points or stage points. His whole objective was to win that race. So you mm-hmm. you can't blame him for it. I understand, you know, if you're a fan, and personally – I relate this to football. I happen to be watching Monday Night Football here. The kneel down at the end of a game when you kneel down just to run out the clock. Yeah, I'm not a big fan mm-hmm. of it, but you have that option and you're guaranteeing you're going to get what you want. You don't have a handoff. You don't have a pass. Okay. So for Denny Hamlin, I I understand why he did it. The win is the only thing that mattered to him. Like I said, stage points, he's already pretty secure on points. If he gets wrecked out that's going to create a problem where he may not be secure going into the Roval. So he's protecting his position. Um, You know, like I said, the stage racing itself, I think changed a lot of that. And a lot of fans that understand what that accomplished, appreciate that because it did make sure drivers, at least throughout the 26 regular season races or those that aren't in a secure position going through the playoffs, they have to, I mean, we, you talked about several, I know in the truck series, they were talking about you got to get up there and get these stage points, and you got to get more than that next guy, and then finish one two spots in front of them. So th- there was an attempt to fix that, but you know, in a case like this, Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin, I mean, that was a, unfortunately their option in this race. Mm-hmm. And and they earned that option through what they did in the regular season. Now, uh, I'm going to bring up another point that Sal brought up. Uh, during the earlier part of the show, and he said he feels they should eliminate all those playoff points because he thinks it gives those drivers too much of an advantage going into the playoffs and that they might end up kind of riding into the Final Four with that buildup of playoff points. What are your thoughts? And it doesn't give some of the younger, the other guys uh, that don't have those playoff points, it doesn't give them, it's an unfair advantage to them. So disadvantage to them. So what are your thoughts about that? Seeing it, this, this is another really tough one. Um, 
as you mentioned, Hamlin's in that position because what he has done all year to earn that position. You know, same with Kevin Harvick. The first year we saw it, it was uh, Martin Truex. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like the fact, like you said, that, that they get in a position where they can kind of coast all the way through the first few rounds because they know they're going to be the one in points locked in. Um, however, you know, Kurt Busch, uh, being one of the ones that went from the bottom to the top, can kind of upset that. So you still have to keep an eye on it, which Denny Hamlin was. You know, he said he, said he was aware of how things were shifting. Mm-hmm. But it's also a matter of earning those certain points, uh, you know, um, just like a, well, a, a different sport. Well, they're earning them by of, winning those stage, stages and by winning the races. Right, throughout the year. But when it comes to the playoffs, if they have enough in their bucket or at least a big enough gap over the next next one down where they can kind of ride that. I, I, I do see that. And I know initially, again, I think the first year it was Truex that really – um, put that out there mm-hmm. right and I think I think that year it was more specifically of he was the only one that had that big of an advantage this year we at least had two or three so then again you know Harvick's got to look at it he may have the most but if Hamlin's right there with him if he's the one that kind of coasts and Hamlin builds up more and we get a couple of unsuspected winners that move up you know Harvick might be the one to be like oh shoot I thought I was secure maybe I'm not so I think as this system evolves, you see more of that, you know, and in this case, this year, look at this year, Kyle Busch, years past, he's always been one that had that cushion and doesn't have it this year and is in trouble. So mm-hmm. I th- I do think I, I like the way the system is set up because throughout the regular season and, and week in and week out, you see that certain drivers have been able to capitalize it and build more especially when this year we had two drivers that were winning and up front getting those stage points. Hopefully, as we see it, again, as teams become more competitive, you're not going to see that big a gap. So even though they have a few, it's not going to be a big enough gap where they can outright ride it all the way. You know, mm-hmm. um, like I said, the first year that I recall it was Truex really set himself up with. This year we at least have two or three um, mm-hmm. You know, there at the end, Keselowski picked up a few and, and Chase Elliott. So it was a little bit better, but we know they still do have an advantage. And I, like I said, I understand the rewarding them for what they've earned, but I don't want to see somebody really truly get a free pass. Once the playoff starts, a free pass all the way to, to uh, and I almost said Homestead, the, the championship this year will be at Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they might want to tweak that just a little that- that was going to be my next question. Do, could, do those playoff points have to be need to be tweaked <laughs> it just a little bit so it's not that big of an advantage? The one the one thing I've looked at when I've thought about it is that you start the playoffs with this amount when you reset each round, maybe not get them Again, I don't want to take away everything they worked so hard for all year, but mm-hmm. also then not let it carry them all the way. So that's where there may be, a, may be a way you could tweak that of, okay, start the playoffs, you get all the points you've earned. Now you only get to add in, back in what you've earned in those three race periods. Um, How about taking away of, playoff points if you, if you have bad finishes? So oh, in other words, if oh. you've built up all these playoff points, and you finish 
20th or lower, you take away playoff points based on that finishing position. The further back, the more points. Uh, that's intriguing. I, you know me. I'm one. I'm always a wild ideas uh, <laughs> intrigue me. Um, if you remember when we went to this point systems and the one point per position, it was to keep it simple so fans could follow along, that's Any true. even a casual that's fan true. or a new fan. You start getting into that. Like I said, I, I, I kind of like where you're at there, though, a mid-pack of tie say, <laughs> with their 40, 40 is a full field of 20th on back. Maybe you do lose one or two. Uh, definitely interesting. Uh, <laughs> I would certainly be willing to discuss it, but uh, that would get extremely complicated. Um, it would. And I really it would thought complicate you were, things. I th- I thought you were going to go another route and we were going to have a whole other uh, judgment call discussion that if you weren't racing hard the entire race, you were going to take points away. I'm like, now we're talking judgment call again. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't. I won't go there. But I, I do know <laughs> that drivers do it. I mean, I've heard it on the radios. I've seen it on the track. And we've had drivers tell us. Denny Hamlin told us in his post-race audio in his opening comments there. Uh, that he was kind of hanging back and taking care of his car and counting the points and and all of that, uh, keeping track of who his competition was. So we we know that drivers do it. Um, and I don't know. I just think it it's a little bit of a rip off. If I'm a Denny Hamlin fan, well, I'd be happy in this particular race. But if if I'm if I'm a fan and I I spend the kind of money that they ask for these races to go sit in the stands, I want to see my driver racing. I don't want to see him just kind of riding around for 450 laps and then he shows up in the last 10 laps. Uh, but to, like I said, race. what's the what's the, what's the, what's the ultimate? You want to see him win. That's why you're there is to see him win. Mm-hmm. He won. I mean. You know, that's why I said it's a, it's a tough, tough call. I mean, like I said, I understand it's the driver's side to it. I understand the fan but... side. Yeah. I, right. I mean, you're right. I mean, throughout the race, you're just like, oh, he's still 30th or he's still 20th. He's not up there battling. So <laughs> for that gap, you're not seeing it. But the ultimate is he did get up there when he needed. So it, it's it's tough. I mean, it's one of those of I know they keep trying and they're trying to find ways to to fix it again with the stage racing. I don't know that you're ever going to be able to eliminate it. I mean, because again, yeah, especially with when it right. comes to points, the, you know, unless again you take away all their points, which I don't necessarily think is right either, and put them back at you know level playing field completely. But then, what's the mm-hmm. point of fighting throughout the year to earn them? You know. Mhm. Exactly. Okay, well, I think we've kind of talked it through. Uh, let's go ahead and bring up another hot topic, unless you have more that you want to say about all of this. Not from that aspect of uh, that, that situation with the calls and all that. So the one, I, I go back to the Xfinity Series race. We saw it in the Cup race a little bit, but the Xfinity Series race, and I'm trying to figure out how to word this, but we know Talladega is a wild card race. We definitely mm-hmm. saw some of the less likely to make it to the next round teams push up. And I'm going to name Ryan mm-hmm. Sieg. I know he's been having a, gr- a good year, especially for him, but he's now sitting six in points. Harrison Burton's mm-hmm. on the outside sitting in ninth. 
Uh, let's see, he's seven points back. Brandon Brown is one, though, and he started in 12th and was the lowest to capitalize. He has moved up to where he is only 19 points out, had a great run, stayed out of trouble. That we may see that this race be such a huge factor on that series. Uh, again, you know, Brandon Brown, obviously very proud to have made the playoffs. And I know in mm-hmm. the statement he made, he said his goal was to then go pretty much head to head with the other uh, cell phone or home, home, not a corporate team, if you will, of Ryan Sieg, kind of as his next goal. Knowing, again, odds not likely that he's going to advance into the second round, not having quite as good a year in, in the position Ryan Sieg is. So that was just his next goal up. And both of them mm-hmm. really did capitalize. Ryan Sieg going to come out a little bit better. Um, again, has a little bit better team, been doing it a, a few more years. Um, so understand. But for teams like that, Talladega is such a chance to capitalize. And I know a road course is another one as we go into the Roval, um, that that yeah. can really be a factor. Um, so I yeah. thought that was great to see. Not th- not that I want to see, you know, right now Michael Annette's one on the outside, Riley Herbst and Harrison Brown um, necessarily be out, but that feel-good story. Well, Michael of, you had know, that penalty. Have... Right, right. Uh, I'm not saying they didn't have their own issues, but, again, he he's a junior motorsports driver. We've seen him be um, up there throughout the year. So, again, you expect him at least to make it through this first round into the next Um Mm-hmm. So, just well, to see some of that, whether or not it holds true, you know, again, as we get into the next couple of races, we'll have to see if they can hold that position. But at least for this week, they get to be in the news and get recognized. Exactly. And I think that is good. One thing that I think is intriguing about the Xfinity Series this year as well is that of the 12 drivers that are currently in the playoff, eight of those drivers have double digit playoff points. So I think that kind of mixes it up, too. The more drivers that get those playoff points, uh, the more it helps them, and the higher they can get those playoff points, I think, is the learning curve here. Uh, And and these guys have a lot of drivers with double-digit playoff points. And and that's what I was saying on the Cup Series. We're we're just seeing that evolution. Again, that first year, Truex is the one that really – exploited it we've seen other drivers at least accumulate some this year again just with the way they're running harvick mm-hmm. and hamlin gobbled up a lot of them so it is two at the top and then a, a, a gap when you have three or four that were really bunched together but you're right in the xfinity series that's exactly right how many of them they can't even though they've built that many up if everybody else has as well you really don't have that big advantage that you can just coast Exactly. So I think that's playing into this as well. Ryan Sieg, you're right, he's only got two playoff points, but finishing second in that race, and he finished second because of the penalty for Michael Lynette, he would have been third, but which is still a great finish. Um, but that really helped him to be able to be in that sixth position right now. You've got drivers like Justin Algauer, who's got 33 playoff points. He's behind him in the points right now, in seventh place. So uh, I think that's that may, that's part of what makes that interesting to see uh, and, and how that plays out. Brendan Brown doesn't have any playoff points. 
Uh, neither does Riley Erbst. Michael Lynette, well, Riley Erbst has one, and Michael Lynette has two. Um, but Ryan Sieg took advantage of that Talladega race and, and got that second-place finish, uh, and that's, that's helped him move up in the series points and maybe buys him a chance uh, to get into that next round. Uh, so, yeah, try, that's why this is such intense competition during the playoffs at tracks like Talladega. <laughs> um, and uh, it sounds like all three of these races were pretty intense. They were. Uh, and, again, especially with them at being in such a position, I know the truck series, it was the cutoff race for them. And I know mm-hmm. the cup series went went away from that. And there, too, I understand that, of especially on a cutoff race, of it being the, the wild card, as, such as a super speedway, kind of maybe too much uh, all in one event yeah. um, that we saw in the truck series. Because, unfortunately, Todd Gillen had an engine problem, which, there again, though, we saw with uh, William Byron back in the trucks uh, a few years back. Uh, fortunately, had one bad race. He blew an engine in that final cutoff race, and it cost him. So that's part of racing, but... I do like the way they have it set up. I know the Roval is still a little bit of a wild card. This whole round in and of itself, uh, probably the most intense when it comes to that because you had started with Las Vegas, and we talked about that, why Las Vegas was so important in this round to start Mm -hmm. the round. Then you had Talladega and the Roval, so Kurt Busch sitting pretty good uh, on the cup side and Chase Briscoe on the Xfinity side of getting that win at Las Vegas and Austin Hill in the trucks. That's how huge it was to get that Las Vegas win. It does take a lot of the pressure off of those three guys uh, that came home with victories from Las Vegas. Okay, uh, any other hot topics you want to make sure we get in? Oh, yeah, I still got a couple. Um, one one would be uh, following up. I know he got taken away, the second place finish taken away, but Matt DiBenedetto, mm-hmm. I mean, that that's still being kicked around of, whether or not he's going to be brought back to uh, the Wood Brothers as a, in, in, in a partnership with uh, Team Penske. I uh, still haven't yeah. heard a whole lot about it, other than a lot of support of other drivers and media saying, hey, he's proved his worth. You know, If you're not going to re-sign him, let him go so some other top team can because he deserves it. Yeah, this is this is really tough. You can see how hard Matt DiBenedetto is fighting <laughs> uh, to to stay in that ride. So I think it's clear that he wants to stay at uh, that 21 car for the Wood Brothers uh, Racing. Uh, and <clears throat> you know, as much as he's had to be on the outside looking in and and something open up for him. You hate to see him be in that position again. Um, and uh, I, I've got to hope and pray that he's he's going to get that ride back. I think it's, you know, finishing is what – I know he got the penalty, um, and that's really tough. That penalty is really, really tough. Uh, now, you said that you saw it, and that you think that that penalty in particular was justified. I, I do. He came down to make the block, um, wasn't quite clear, and so uh, bumped fenders with uh, William Byron. Byron got a little loose and squirrely, and that's where everybody started scrambling, which is then what caused the wreck, because obviously William Byron didn't wreck as he finished fourth. So, And that's mm-hmm. where I said, how do you define what the wreck is? 
Um, but yeah, it definitely, he came down onto him. It was very similar to the penalty they had called on Joey Logano earlier in the race, which like I said, I, I, I felt like was a, a good call. Uh, Joey Logano being my pick and everything. I was like, that was the right call. So like I said, initially when I first saw it, my concern was more about the <laughs> Denny Hamlin going below the line. Well, going back and watching it when they said they had penalized the Benedetto, I can see where they made that call. It is a judgment call, but yeah, he definitely came down to block. They bumped and it pushed William Byron down, which then Denny went around him to try and avoid him. Um, but he didn't wreck. In my opinion, he didn't wreck because he finished fourth. So that's mm-hmm. where I said of how do you define that wreck? Um, but yeah, I do think and it was a, a justified. Yeah. Go ahead. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I do think, unfortunately, for Matt and that team, that it was a justifiable and, and the right judgment call uh, in that particular case. Okay. So that's the only thing that I could think of that could even come close to hurting him is the judgment call and it kind of being on the wrong side of the judgment call. Uh, but I think that's really stretching it when I say that. I think Matt DiBenedetto has earned an opportunity to be back. The only thing that I can think of that might be hurting him right now is the whole Menards pulling out and finding new sponsorship for him. And sponsorship is just so tight right now, I think, with the COVID-19 that it's making it a little bit harder to secure that sponsorship, and that's why we're seeing the delay in this. I think the Wood Brothers wants Matt DiBenedetto in that car. I think he want, I, mean, I think Matt DiBenedetto wants to be in that car, but they've got to have a sponsorship to make it a good business decision, and that's the hard part of this is that, um, you know, it's not that they don't want him. It's not that he doesn't want to be there. It's the sponsorship. And can he get the sponsorship um, to keep him in that seat for another year? And and that's what I think is delaying this whole thing, Jay. I I, th- I think you're right, um, and and that is my hope as well. Is that it, the deal is pretty much there? It's just final securing the sponsorships and, and those final details is my hope anyway. And and we understand where that could be the situation, obviously. Um, because I would think, uh, you know, and, and Team Penske is one that's respectful enough, if they didn't intend to bring him back and we're going to move another driver up or sign another driver, they would have let him know earlier in the year so he had the opportunity to find another ride. So I do think that they are right. trying to do the best they can by him. Um, very appreciative and I want to have him back. If nothing else, like I said, if you at least do the one-year extension and the plan is to bring in uh, Austin Sindrick next year, he has that full next year that he can set himself up for 2022. And, and I do believe, like I said, that, that I'm sure Penske's would operate under that faith of saying, hey, we have to let you go or we're going to um, early enough for him to have the opportunity to find another ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I've got to think that that's what it is. It's the only th- explanation that I can come up with why this thing is being delayed. Uh, unfortunately, if they can't get that sponsorship, uh, then the decision becomes, do we go ahead on good faith that somewhere down the road that sponsorship's going to show up, or do we just have to cut the rope and let them go? Uh, and that's going to be the hard part of this if it comes down to that. 
Well, and, and with that, I don't know that, you know, and we were all assuming then the plan would be to bring Austin, excuse me, Austin Sindrick up there again. Does he have enough sponsorship with him to, to bring him up to cover it? So that might be the thing that's too of true. if that's their plan. They don't have enough on that end either. So uh, kind of in a, in a situation where they, they can't make that decision. I, I know we heard rumor that it was supposed to be within a week now, the original deadline of uh, the end of September, um, give them another week or so. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I, th- I think that, again, it, the finish itself may not have uh, pushed it in Matt's favor. I think the way he ran and the way he handles himself, uh, again, he said he was disappointed and yeah. in, in, in everything, but he always handles himself so well. So I think that all he bodes does. well He's in his favor. He's a fan favorite. Yeah, I I think that will it should work in his favor. Uh the whole fact that the fans really like him, the drivers really like him. Uh you know, he's the underdog that everybody loves to cheer for. Uh and we you know, everybody wants to see Matt DiBenedetto back. So, I see them trying to work really really hard to make that happen. So, hopefully it does. <laughs> Most certainly, and I know we we had kind of talked about it. it doesn't seem to be the route anymore, but that he possibly could be in line for the 48 of Hendrick. Um, but the Kyle Larson deal really just seems to be so strong right now, and the fact that Matt was saying he wanted to, was waiting on Penske to renew his or pick up his option um, kind of eliminated that possibility. And I would just so hate to see right now if it if it did come out that he wasn't getting that ride um, that there aren't any top rides left. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, yeah, that's it is going to be interesting. Does that lead us into another hot topic, Jay? Well, uh certainly I got two or three here that when it comes to drivers, uh Corey LaJoy has said that he is still working on his for next year, uh that he was open to Xfinity and I cannot find it back, but somewhere on Twitter, and it's not one that I would consider, as Mike likes to say, one of the top uh, well-known reliable sources, but word on the street, at least a little bit here anyway, is that we might hear two announcements this week, uh, one being Kyle Larson to the 48, and then Daniel Suarez to, and I don't remember the team name, of Justin Marks, uh, that Suarez is another name that really hadn't been talked about a whole lot. Yeah, I heard okay. Daniel Suarez linked to that one and Kyle Larson to the 48 and that it might possibly come this week. Now, again, this isn't one of the top uh, media reporters that, that I saw this on. I will say that. I don't remember if it was on Reddit or another one, um, but that it was out there anyway, that, that word is that those two would be coming this week. Okay, and rumors are exactly that. They are rumors. We don't know. We have no inside scoop here. Uh, This is all speculation, uh, which is why they call it silly season. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I really hope that they do find a ride for Daniel Suarez. Um, I think Kyle Larson, um, I'm I'm wondering how that's going to work out for Kyle Larson. Going to the 48, I, I always felt that the SHR ride was a little bit more of a good fit for him because he likes to do the uh, the extracurricular racing, if you will, where I think that's a little less likely to happen uh, under the Hendrick Motorsports banner. Um, 
but uh yeah, it's gonna be interesting uh to see how that works out. And I'm wondering too about what the fan reaction is gonna be uh with Kyle Larson. I think a lot of people are gonna be happy for them, but I think there is another group of people that may think this isn't right <laughs> that you know he gets kicked out, has to go through the sensitivity training, all this kind of stuff, and now you're going to give him the premier ride in the series. Um, so I don't know. I think there could be a little controversy that surrounds it as well. Um, but along those lines, he has done a lot, uh, I think, to kind of reprove himself, if that's such a word, uh, to kind of make amends is maybe a better way to say that. Uh, he came out with an apology this week, um, and and he talks a little bit about uh, all the things that he has done. He's working with the Urban Youth League, um, and that was an interesting piece as well because uh, what I noted there, and I think that was from Adam Stern, that he – was at an event along with Chevy <laughs> at that event and Kyle Larson. So Chevy kind of walked away at some point, but it looks like they've teamed back up again as well, which makes that HMS story a lot more credible as well. Well, and, and I was trying to think of a, a way to say this. I know you don't like the phrase, but dislikers are going to dislike. Um, there's yeah. always going to be certain people that are going to just, that's what they want to do is just to stir stuff up, you know, and, and I'm not ragging on Sal here. He said he heard it from another source, but you know, the right. conspiracy and, and all that, you know, there's going to be the people that that's just what they do. I will say this again, Kyle Larson owned his mistake. He acknowledged yeah. the penalty that went along with it. As far as meeting NASCAR's requirement to the best of my knowledge he has gone above and beyond their minimum requirement of the sensitivity training and anything yeah. else. I think he has gone above and beyond. So I'm one that, yes, I, I fully believe in call it a second chance or a redemption, no matter, no matter what it is. Um, you've served your penalty. You've paid your price. You have shown true, sincere regret and want to try to make it right as best you can. You can't, you can't ever take it away, obviously. And, you know, and he acknowledges that. Even Bubba Wallace, you know, as the only African-American driver has said, yes, I don't like what he did. We are still friends. He has talked with him and said he deserves another chance. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that, that right there should, te should tell that. you. Right. I mean, that, yeah. that should tell you if he's saying, hey, I didn't like it, I did, you know, and he talked to him about it as well as what to do to get back in, I'll call good graces. And like I said, I feel Kyle Larson has gone, gone above and beyond what the minimum requirement would be to even be considered to be reinstated. Yes, I 100% agree with uh, your comments on that. And I, I, I agree as well that he should get a second chance. Uh, so, and, and the fact that he has gone above and beyond, uh, I think, indicates that he he's, uh, really understands the, the impact of that situation and uh he wants to do something about it. So you got to I got to give him a lot of kudos for that and and putting the apology out there uh and it, actually it was an essay on his personal website 
where he took accountability for it and and uh, talks about some of the steps that he took to become more educated and and understand, uh, create a better understanding. So all of that is great, and I I'm, would be happy to see Kyle Larson come back into the sport. What's next? Well, the other the other two drivers that are sticking with the, the open seats, uh, as Mike put it the one night, the butts in the air, uh, as far as the car <laughs> seat, the Richard Petty Motorsports. And that one's kind of intriguing. You still have Eric Jones, who I think is at maybe the second behind maybe possibly Kyle Larson, um, and then Matt DiBenedetto. But a proven winner, um, driver that's available, Richard Petty Motorsports is one that hasn't announced their driver yet. And the only the only other option I see there, I, I really kind of thought that may be where Daniel Suarez was headed, truthfully. Yeah, I kind of um, was but thinking that, too. Being that he's been now linked to the Marks team, with the shutting down of the Geico Jermaine Racing becoming the Denny Hamlin Michael Jordan car, that is a Richard Childress uh, alliance car. Richard Petty has an alliance with them. Ty Dillon is obviously the grandson, so... I think that ah. car comes down to maybe Eric Jones or uh, Ty Dillon. Yeah, that's a good point uh, with Ty Dillon. He'd be a great fit, uh, I think, for that Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, but now, is what is he racing this year? He keeps changing. I never quite know which manufacturer he's with. <laughs> Ty, D- Ty Dillon, that was a Chevy team because that was with the Richard Childers. That Childers was a Chevy team, at- but is, is the uh, RPM car Chevy? They they I are they were this. this year they were still okay. aligned no they yeah, this this year you're no I understand because they they have changed a couple the issue was they were aligned with Richard Childress they were rumored to be the Denny Hamlin Michael Jordan Toyota team since that didn't come to fruition if they stay with Chevrolet and Richard Childress that kind of gives the leg up to Ty Dillon but if mm-hmm. you look at it I think Eric Jones is a more qualified proven qualified driver. But like I said, if if the tie remains with Richard Childress and Chevrolet, Ty Dillon might have a little bit of an advantage there. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a really good point. I'm going to jump in here with uh, the comments that we make at this time of the night, uh, especially for those people who may be listening for the first time. Uh, we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, but we do continue recording the rest of the conversation. So you're going to hear us go off the air talking mid-sentence. Um, and if you've not listened before, we didn't want to leave you wondering what was going on. Uh, it, to hear the rest of the conversation, it's part of our bonus overtime material that's available on the podcast. And uh, what I do is I go out on Twitter and post the link to let people know that the podcast we're done and that the podcast is now available. All you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark in order to hear the rest of that conversation as soon as it's downloaded. So, um, again, no surprises, uh, just kind of the heads up here for that that's going to happen at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time in less than 10 seconds from now. Okay, Jay. Well, I wanted to know what you thought as far as, uh, again, we don't know any of it for truth, but Richard Petty's still looking for the driver uh, of what your thoughts were, Eric Jones or uh, Ty Dillon, or it might, again, not be either of them. Uh, They may come out of the blue with somebody else. 
Well, I also think Eric Jones would be a great fit at um, uh, Hendrick Motorsports. So to me, Eric Jones would be the surprise guy at uh, Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, but I, I, I know where all of this is coming from with uh, Kyle Larson possibly getting that seat as well. Um, but um, as far as Ty Dillon, I think that makes perfect sense for Ty Dillon to take that seat, which upsets me a little bit because if Larson gets the 48 seat, then where does that leave uh, Eric Jones? Uh, I'm a little concerned for Eric Jones. I, I think he deserves to get a uh, quality seat. Uh, he, he is a front runner in a lot of these races, uh, and uh, the competition is just so strong, I think, in this Cup Series. Uh, I think we got to give these guys a little bit more time to really um, prove themselves. And I know Eric's been around for a while, uh, I know he's a good racer. Uh, I just hate to see him be the guy without a seat when the music stops on this whole thing. And and um, I guess uh, Xfinity Series is always an option, uh, or the Truck Series. I think he'd be good in either one of those series as well. But I, I would really like to see Eric Jones stay in the Cup Series if that is at all possible. And I do think that he would be a good candidate for that 48 car as well. Your thoughts? I, that that is, yeah, that is another one where I definitely did see that as a possibility. But again, the Kyle Larson deal just had so much momentum it's and would taking, die, yeah. um, kind of took that away. And and you're right, we're running out of the again the the top rides. Uh, the other one that. Um, is out there is the go fast racing to the best of my knowledge. I haven't seen them announce anything either other than LaJoy leaving, which LaJoy is the one that has first mentioned maybe having to go to the Xfinity series. Uh, and then mm-hmm. you also got the ones though in the Xfinity series that are looking to move up. This is, we're just talking about cup drivers moving around at the cup level. That's not even talking about the Xfinity series or truck series, any of the series of the next one moving up. So uh, again, it it's, makes it's me really think, tight at Jane, the top. Yeah, it makes me think that there's another surprise announcement that we don't know anything about just yet uh, that could be coming up here as well that may create an opportunity uh, for a driver like uh, uh, Elliot, uh, not Elliot, uh, Eric Jones. Um, I, I just get the sense that there's more out there that we don't know yet. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I know, like, again, uh, with uh, Justin Marks, uh, the new team coming in, we talked about that. Um, obviously, I think Daniel Suarez is one that, that uh, if he were to go in there, um, can be a very valuable driver to them. You know, I don't know if There's Eric four. Jones would be willing to take that big of a, a step back. But we also talked about Spire Motorsports. They're putting together a second full team, uh, full-time team now. Oh, that was the other one. You're right. The other one we hadn't talked about, which would be a new team, and whether or not Floyd a new May- team can just come in and be competitive, there you go. The money team, Floyd Mayweather. Now, that one, too, again, money-wise, that they're willing to, if they're willing to spend, uh, follow up on their brand name of the money team, um, certainly could be for a driver, again, if Jones does happen to be the one shuffled out and not have the spot, 
uh, that I think uh, certainly could be um, benefit from him being a winner and obviously having been with Joe Gibbs uh, racing in Toyota to be a real asset to a team that is starting out. And I know we've seen this in the past. These drivers do struggle with that, especially if they're used to being in top-level equipment that step back, but having to then build it up. Uh, but we've seen Matt De Benedetto do it, and what he has brought to the teams he has been with that up their game, and they're able to get another driver then and continue building that program. So that might be a kind of slot where Eric Jones ends up falling into. Yeah, there's Gaunt Brothers racing as well. Oh, so you're right. That's a, you're, you are correct. Yep, that is another one. So, yeah, it's it's just amazing. And I think the one that uh, Justin Marks is talking about, the the uh, working uh, name is, uh, what was it, Trackhouse Racing. So whether it stays okay. that or not, I'm not sure, but that's what they show on J-Skis for that team. Um, <clears throat> so we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's it's been a tough uh, season this year. I think these drivers know what's going on. It's tough on us as kind of bystanders on the outside looking in and not knowing what's going to go on with a lot of these drivers. It it is indeed. You're right. There's a lot of things that we don't necessarily know behind the scenes. Again, maybe some of these guys have signed what I like to call it when it comes to like college football or whatever, the letter of intent that, you know, they have the plan and they're just finalizing the details, um, something like that. And they just aren't ready to announce it yet. Um, that that may be the case that, that it's already kind of discussed in a handshake deal. They're just waiting to put pen to paper to sign it and, and work out the rest of the details. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. That is true. Okay. Any, anything more? Well, uh, I'll give you the option here. I did have three others here that we could talk about, or I know being that Mike and Andy weren't either one able to be here, one of them actually came from Andy, and I didn't know if he had – or I'm sorry, from Mike, and I didn't know if he had any follow-up, so I can we can hold those over till Thursday. Um, yeah, I think or Andy you and can, I can definitely try to be on on Thursday. We can bring them up – Bring up the topics here tonight, and then these guys can comment again on Thursday, and it will be kind of a preview of the Thursday night preview show. <laughs> All right. Brought up, and this one I find kind of interesting in obviously a 2020 COVID-19 situation, but the rescheduling of the Truck Series race races, Stuart Friesen already had another commitment to what should have been an off weekend, mm and is now opting mm-hmm. to miss the truck race. Obviously, he's not in the playoffs, so that, uh, I don't want to say it made it easier for him, but the team apparently announced that they were going to run Christopher Bell, which technically is not legal because once you're into the playoffs, it's Xfinity Series driver, or I'm sorry, Truck Series drivers only, which would mean mm-hmm. Christopher Bell wouldn't be eligible unless he switched from cup points to truck points, which could be done because he's not in the contention in for the playoffs in the cup series either, but a little bit of a different situation there. And uh, if we want to wait and fully discuss it on Thursday, I will hold my comments on just, that and give you the, it's just one race, right? It's not for the it, rest yeah, of the season. It's just one race. Like I said, because of the way they revamped the truck series schedule here at the end mm-hmm. of the season to make to fit it in, 
Um, it should have, it would have been normally been an off weekend and he had booked to, I don't know if it's, I know he runs a big block modified and some other events that he had scheduled for that weekend. Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting scenario. Somebody didn't do their homework there. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what Mike, that's what Mike to, said. Yeah. That's what Mike said was somebody didn't read the fine print. Yeah. Somebody, somebody missed some of the minor big points there. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how they uh, react to that. My guess would be that they're going to have to look for a different driver. Uh, I haven't fully thought that through about whether that would be an advantage for Christopher Bell to make that move. Um, I would think that it would not, only because this has been such a big uh, rookie year, I think, for the Cup Series. And for him to pull out at this stage of the game, I, I, I personally I'd find that disappointing. But uh, there might be some advantage for him in doing that. I, I don't know what it would be with just one race, but um, something for them to look at, I guess. Um, so yeah, I'll, the, I'll look the, more into that and comment, I guess, on Thursday. But your yeah, thoughts. well, and I say I hadn't seen any follow up on it since uh, Mike had pointed that out. Um, if they were thinking about that, the only thing that's really going to affect him is that one race. It would affect him in the drivers' points. But again, he can't win Rookie of the Year as Cole Custer locked that up by making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he can still run the Cup race. It just wouldn't earn him Cup driver points. The team would still get owner points. And the reason I point that out is because the Gaunt brothers, again, looking for a driver, they want to be as high as they can in points. So it does affect the team. But I say he can still run and get cup points, I believe. I, I can't state that for a fact. I think the only thing it would affect would hit, would be him as driver points. Mm, interesting. Okay, what's, what's the other topic? The other two, uh, one is the Atlanta re- possible reconfiguration where they're going to do a repave. They have two events scheduled for next year. With that could possibly be a reconfiguration. And we saw that back with Texas when they did a repave. They also did a reconfiguration. So that's a possibility. I know that article is up on Jayski. So everybody take a peek at that. We can hit that uh, come Thursday night as well. Okay. And then the final one. And you'll be able to fill this in for me. I don't have my Twitter account up. SRX announced that the bodies um, for that series were going to be done by, we've had them on the show sometime last year. Um, Tony Ear Jr., do you remember the name of the company that does the bodies? With, oh, uh, Tony Ear, uh, Fury. Fury. Uh, yeah, sorry, Tony Fury. Uh, it's there called Fury, uh, Fury Racing, I think is what it's called. Um, and are they doing the cars for the SRX? They are going to be doing the cars for the SRX. Yeah, it involves Tony Urey Jr., but it's called Fury Racing. And there we uh, go. Thank you. It's uh, Sal, not Sal, what's his name? Um, Grala, Kaz Grala's dad, I think, is involved with that. That's what I said, and I knew I knew we had him on because uh, when the composite body came to the to the Xfinity series that first year, I know they were a part of that. Yeah, that's Steve Einhouse. We've had Steve Einhouse from Five uh, Star Bodies come on and talk about the uh, composite body cars. 
So he's no. an interesting guy too. Yeah. But he's not involved. I, I don't think he's involved with Fury Racing. Okay, I thought I they were two kind of partnered together, body. but I might be mistaken. Okay. Okay. Fury Race Cars. But yes, it, it, it is Fury, Fury uh, Racing that's going to be doing the bodies for the SRX series. Oh, cool. Cool. That's very cool. Uh, maybe we can get uh, Tony Yuri back on to talk about that. Uh, and let me look up Steve here and see what he uh, – as far as I know, he's always been involved with um, – Just with Five Star? With Five Star. Okay. Nope, that's not the right guy. <laughs> Hold on. Well, even into into next week or in the coming weeks, or as we lead into the the end of the season, like you said, maybe Tony Erie Jr. We could get him to come on. Yeah, we'll have to look into it. Uh, right now, I can't seem to put my hands on uh, Steve Einhouse unless he's he's uh, maybe retired. Let me put Five Star Bodies in here. You know, Mike's, Mike's kind of been watching that. We've talked about that of, of the series SRX as a whole. I know we still got a couple driver announcements. I didn't see anything else from them yet this week. Um, they, they have a tendency to like to drop the hint of uh, driver announcements coming up later in the week, and I haven't seen any yet this week. That was all the news I saw from them this past week anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm looking to see if I can find Steve Einhouse. Maybe, maybe he has left there, but it doesn't look like he's even on Twitter anymore. So maybe he's not doing that anymore. Interesting. I'll have to check into that. Yeah, just looking at SRX as it was three days ago, we are excited and proud to partner with Fury Race Cars to build the custom SRX chassis. And then the Who one prior to that, that was the – that's from the SRX Superstar Racing Experience uh, Twitter feed. Oh, okay. And then the previous one there was uh, Bill Elliott. I was looking to see if they had even hinted that they were ready to shortly announce another driver, but those were the past two, so – haven't seen another driver tease yet. Okay. <clears throat> okay, SRX Marathon. Some more, uh, get some more news released yet this week here, uh, again, with possible driver changes or announcements. We at least have those three that we can cover. On Thursday. So, yeah, I think that's a good preview for the Thursday night show. Uh, we miss uh, Andy and Mike tonight. Uh, they always have a great, uh, they're always a great addition to our Hot Topic Sound Off conversation. And unfortunately, I feel a little bit out of the loop here just based on the fact that uh, I've been involved with some family things over the last couple of weeks and, and haven't been able to watch the racing at all. So, um, but I do. Um, and, and I know we'll probably revisit some of the other hot topics that we talked about, uh, meaning the end of that Cup Series race. 
I think both of those guys will want to chime in with their thoughts on Thursday night as well. Well, I can, I can tell you this. I think that one's going to be a hot topic for uh, probably until next Daytona race, uh, the next super speedway or <laughs> Uh, race because again it was a very very hot topic across the board um, so I'm sure that more will come from that throughout the uh, the rest of this season as we head into next season and they hope to change things or see a change anyway yeah and if I can just add one more thought that kind of came to me in that regard is another thought that kind of came to my mind is when you have this many people uh, including media people uh, chiming in saying that they question the call, I think that's an in, that's indicative that there is a problem that needs to be looked at, uh, and and I hope NASCAR recognizes that and looks at it, um, and if they can give us a more clear cut, um, objective look at it, right now it does look subjective, so. I think that alone is a reason for NASCAR to take another look at it. Well, and, and truthfully, that leads into another debate about blocking. Because, I mean, NASCAR yeah. can say, hey, it's on you as the drivers. You know, if you aren't blocking, you're not going to push somebody down there, and that won't happen um, mm-hmm. or at least eliminate some of it. But as we've seen, blocking, again, is part of super speedway racing i mean it just is we saw it in the xfinity series race with chase briscoe and noah gregson and i won't even get into that uh i didn't see a lot of finger pointing there just an unfortunate situation um i heard about it you know that one yeah in my opinion chase kind of cost himself that race because it it was kind of a late block and he got it hooked on noah gregson happened to be noah gregson's uh front bumper you know, but that's especially again when you're you need that car right there with you to push you. Uh, in the case when right. you go down and get in front of them, you know, to get that push if it's not quite timed right, you know, it can cost you. And in the case of Chase Briscoe, it really did. Mhm. Yeah. So I think uh, those guys might want to comment on that as well. But um, uh, again it should be a pretty big hot topic conversation on Thursday uh some revisiting of some of what we talked about here tonight so be prepared for that and uh some new topics that we didn't really go into a lot of depth here uh but it allows us to do a little bit of research and kind of discuss those on Thursday night show as well so Jay what are you working on we'll do our round table here all right. Uh, you can follow me on Michael Hoosman on Facebook, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, and I will get some uh, truck picks updated here, or not just truck series, uh, all the races. Uh, I was like you over the weekend. I didn't get to watch them all. I'm trying to get caught up. Uh, I did get to watch the Cup race. The other two I listened to on the radio, so I haven't done all of our points here. But I'll tell you this: the points are going to shift a little bit again. Just taking a peek, I happened to have the Cup Series open. Oh, yeah. Andy and I were close. Well, like I said, I don't have them all totaled yet. I will uh, on Thursday, though. I'll get get new picks out. But uh, I will say on the Cup Series, Andy and I were close at the top. I'm going to get a two-point advantage, but he had zero. I had two. That means a couple other people are going to close back up. Um, And in the Xfinity Series... Andy's top lead there is going to close up as he only got six points and I got 14 there. Um, 
and I'm at the low end on the Xfinity series. So that means that whole pack is going to tighten up with the rest of you having points in between the two of us. Yeah, I don't think this was a good points weekend for me. I think my points, um, again, mm-hmm. I picked Ben Rhodes on the wrong week. <laughs> you know, I, was, I wasn't even going to say that. I was like, after you picked and everybody else, because you picked first um, and took Zane Smith, which should have been a good pick. I know he didn't have the best night either, uh, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You did make the playoffs. And that's what it's that been for me. Any, but... It's not that my my picks have been bad picks. It's just that I seem to pick them on their worst week. <laughs> I, I really, I really thought about it though. Being that you picked picked first and picked Zane Smith, I'm like, okay, who's picking Ben Rhodes? Because they're going to get the win. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the highest playoff player in that race. Too. He would, he would have been, he would have been the best pick. Uh, actually, as it turns out. Again, with the truck series shuffle up the way it was, actually, I think Brett Moffitt, we talk about how we generally have seven picks in the top 10 or 11. Uh, Andy had Brett Moffitt, and he was seventh. That's going to be our top pick, so he'll only get 12 points instead of 14, but that is the top pick driver finishing seventh. Wow, that's unusual for us. Very, so, very unusual. But that's that's, that's what Talladega, there you go, that's Talladega. <laughs> That's Saladega. So, and that's that's the way I feel about it too. It's kind of a, a, a crapshoot. You know, you just pick a name, and you've got a chance at it because um, anybody can end up there. So, anyway, it's I don't all think right, it was well, a we'll good point week for me. I say I didn't have all the truck ones down yet. I know you got six in the cup and two in the xfinity so uh zero and six andy only has six total so you come out ahead of him i did get the win in the xfinity so i'm sitting pretty good already because i got justin haley there i think james james had another yeah he had eight and 12 he had the top finishing cup uh he might have a he might be running up here out of nowhere at the end of the season here Mm Mhm. and it sounds like it and that's what the playoffs will do for you (laughs) <laughs> and that's right. We all have a lot of fun with that. I know uh, with James, I, week in and week out, I go to him on a Twitter messenger directly, just me and him. But me and him go back and forth again with who takes whose picks. Uh, you know, he's mm-hmm. talking about stealing a pick before somebody else. So I know this week I had put up, I was like, well, I got to pick all of them before you did. So you can't take any of my picks. <laughs> Not this week. Okay, well, I am Fan for Racing Sites on Twitter, Fan for Racing Blog and Radio everywhere else, including FanForRacing.com. And um, you'll notice a few things that are a little bit different on the website. Uh, that's because uh, because we had some malware on the website, and it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It shut down. Uh, so nobody was infected. We do have a security socket there, as well as now we have a firewall there. <laughs> and um, that's why some of the changes that you see at FanForRacing.com have happened. Um, the race day chat is now in the bar, uh, the menu bar at the top. So uh, that should be easy for people to find. And uh, some of the functionality that we had on some of the uh, things, uh, 
we had to kind of give up some of that functionality and kind of rearrange a few things. So it does look a little bit different. Um, but I think I like it this way. And uh, if uh, anybody wants to give me any feedback, I'm open to feedback. <laughs> if anybody has any anything, any comments about the website, uh, suggestions or uh, criticisms, uh, I'm open to hearing what anybody has to say. Uh, I do want to say thank you to everybody for uh, tuning in. Uh, we appreciate uh, both our live broadcast and podcast listeners and uh, for taking the time to hear what it is that we have to say. And to the Fan for Racing crew, I always appreciate uh, everything that they do, uh, not only on the radio show, but also on the website as well. So um, I, I think that takes care of all my thank yous. And uh, we've got uh, Sam has his uh, recap up. We did get the uh, cash or pass up this week for um, <clears throat> Owen, and uh, I'm sure he'll have a, a cash or pass piece up again uh, for the Roval that's coming up. And, uh, boy, I don't know if you've read his cash or pass or not, but he hits the nail on the head quite a bit, Jay. He really does. I, I've been uh, more than impressed with that. Uh, I know, too, with the uh, hot and cold uh, that Owen does. I always like that. Did, it has some great insight there. Uh, always great to hear from both of those. Exactly. <clears throat> and uh, so you can watch, uh, read both of those uh, articles uh, that are coming up this week. And I'm still, <laughs> I've been so super busy the last couple of weeks. I still don't have my Martin Truex Jr. article done, but I will get that done hopefully this week and have it up by the weekend. So look, watch for that as well. Well, I know I told you I'd do one for Chase Elliott, and uh, I know he's still sitting in a pretty good position to work on that one as well. And you also made me think of something when we were talking about race picks. I'll give a shout-out. We didn't. Uh, I'm sure you covered it in the recap, but first ARCA win, Happened to be on dirt, late model driver, Ryan Zicker. Yes. <laughs> yes, our our Illinois driver, uh, Ryan Unsicker, Unsicker from um, uh, El Paso, Illinois. It's the northern part of the state. Uh, this happened in the central part of the state. But uh, when he goes down to Springfield, uh, it's a big deal, and he has a lot of fans that follow him there. Uh, Bill Hendren. Uh, who is the owner behind that, is a stalwart at uh, Illinois State Fairgrounds and has uh, quite a streak going there going back to the 80s. So this was a big deal, this win for Ryan Unsicker um, and getting that win at uh, the uh, Springfield Mile this weekend. So, All yep, right. That, well, with that, that, that I'm good cool. till Thursday then. Yeah, it was. I was happy to see that. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Jay. And uh, I think we're ready to call it a wrap. And uh, we'll say good night. All right. See you on Thursday. Okay. Good night, everybody.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.